0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time, unless we're talking about Game of Thrones when we do five episodes at a time, except for this episode where we do seven
1: episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm drinking. And while I certainly don't know things, I'm definitely complaining about them. I'm Alex.
2: (laughs) And I'm Britton. That's right, everybody. Get ready, Alex is going to get real
1: giggly later on tonight. (laughs) It's a Thursday night and of feeling's right I've, I've got some of my my sweet dornish wine i don't actually know Whoa. what brand this is it's not like a game of thrones like I, i'm not on theme tonight okay it's just <laughs> long week and i i didn't enjoy this as much as y'all so maybe this will be an equalizer
2: <laughs> alex is over there drinking. i think that's something from the witcher because he's trying to like go with what i guess is a rival show <laughs>
0: We're talking about Game of Thrones Season 7 this week, <laughs> um, which probably uh, helps set the tone well for where we're at um, as a collective. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's Game of Thrones, and we're continuing to talk about it, and we decided we're going to tackle the whole Season 1 go, because there's really not like a, any sort of natural stopping point in here, so we were just like, mm. why not? Let's, let's give it a shot. And I think it worked out all right, but who will know until we've spent four hours on this episode? And um, <laughs> Alex is passed out in the corner from.
1: Yep. <laughs> that that is my goal for the end of the episode. <laughs> what people don't know is, in the
2: days when we all used to record in the same room, uh, we, whenever we would, I, I'd come over and I'd, hey Tyler, how's it going? Let's let's get the show ready. We, Tyler would get the mic set up, and I'd have to go and prop Alex up, dust him off, get his, get take his cowboy boots off, and. Put on his regular shoes, get that captain's hat, and put it right back on the hood, on the hook. Be like, all right, come on, buddy. Splash some water in his face. (laughs)
0: Um, Effective. Yeah, so uh, I'm pulling things up, and I'm just going to make weird noises until I've got them all pulled up. Um, uh, So uh, season seven, uh, I do want to mention real quick, uh, last week I recommended uh, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon, which is a new official Mm. behind-the-scenes book with a bunch of interviews from the Game of Thrones cast and crew. Um, and so as we've been doing this, I've been mentioning like who's directing which episodes and who's writing which episodes. Um, and something this made me realize is that there are episodes that are like credited specifically to Brian Cogman and Dave Hill, as opposed to uh, our very best friends, D and D. And they apparently were also like, I mean, they're, they're usually listed, I think in the producer credits for the the show, but apparently they're just on the set, like a lot, like they were very, very involved. Oh, wow. Um, so it was almost like a four-person group. I mean, like D and D, were the showrunners obviously, but um, little little bit of uh, something to point out there to correct so, previous ones is that a lot of the time, if it says one of them, then I think they were still writers, but it's not like they didn't help with the other episodes. I guess is. So, so uh, Tyler,
1: okay. what you're saying is, for the fan base, they should aim their slings and arrows at four people, correct. not just two.
0: Well, we have well, multiple it. targets.
1: Oh. We got to think
0: about this because, you know, you've got the four of them, uh, but then you've also got, like, three or four major producers from HBO who were in, in charge of kind of, like, you know, getting everything going and, like, greenlit everything and approve these guys as the guys who would be writing. So you got to you gotta throw them in the mix. Of course, right. you got to put George there. George is up on the, on the dartboard. Um, the entire cast uh, needs to just be canceled for being, like, involved in this. Uh, so they were complicit. They, they were, were complicit. complicit. <laughs> they were they were accomplices. Um, so I mean, I think really, you just kind of we should probably just stop TV um, in g- in general. Like just, Honest, you know, yeah, anybody who is willing to be a showrunner after this travesty uh, needs to you know <laughs> not be involved with any sort of media because clearly I have no idea what they're talking about.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure Brian Cogman is often credited as a story editor. So yeah.
0: Yeah, no, he is, he is actually yeah. super involved, I think. I think he's... Yeah. The behind-the-scenes name is that he's the third head of the dragon. It's like a, mm. a thing, the fact that he's like very involved with them. And he's also, I think, oh. doing the Lord of the Rings Amazon trilogy, or the series that might now have a bunch of controversy because people have said there might be nude scenes, but they, maybe there won't be. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll do that when it comes <laughs> out. We'll, we'll, we'll live uh, podcast the, the Amazon yeah. game, uh, Lord of the Rings uh will definitely be drinking for that yeah um, that'll
2: be a prelude to the uh the twitch stream of tyler and i playing shadow of mordor <laughs> and shadow of war <laughs> which is mostly britain not every arrow has to be a headshot yes it does tyler it has to be a headshot <laughs> or
0: it doesn't count so the, the episodes ever, yes um, get, get into the scores <laughs> so we're the episodes we're talking about are Dragonstone, Stormborn, The Queen's Justice, The Spoils of War, Eastwatch, Beyond the Wall, and The Dragon and the Wolf. Um, the first and last episode come from Jeremy Padezwa, Padezwa as our director. Um, the second and third are Mark Mylod, uh, returning director. Fourth and fifth are Matt Schuchman, who I believe is new. Um, he actually, I think, is involved in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, and apparently like they just kind of gave him a massive battle episode and we're like, you can figure this out, right? (laughs) Um, and then, uh, episode six is the long awaited return of Alan Taylor for better or for worse. Um, the, uh, reviews or sorry, writers first. Um, basically all the writers are D and D except episode two is Brian Cogman and episode five is Dave Hill, but with the kind of caveat I just mentioned, um, our episode ratings from IMDb the official uh review website of this podcast uh mm-hmm. are 8.6 8.9 9.2 9.8 8.8 9 and 9.4 so pretty normal uh in terms of like kind of the the scattering uh in, in compared to what we've seen in the past um uh, as we've kind of, I think, realized the last few times, they're, they're usually pretty random and somewhere in between, like, 8.6 and then 9.8 for, like, the battle episodes. So still nothing really to be gleaned from these at all. Uh, that will change next week. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, anybody have strong opinions about best and worst episodes for this season? Yeah, I can go. <laughs> it's they're all the
1: worst aren't they isn't that is that what you're gonna tell
0: us (laughs) no and
1: and and you know i'm I'm, you know being hyperbolic i i did like this season i think it's still a pretty strong season of television i just think um it's got a lot of for me very noticeable flaws um that weren't Mm. really present in the other seasons like i and i don't know how much of it is they're you know Kind of moving to get to that final season, so they're having to really pick up the pace in a lot of places. So stuff's getting dropped, or stuff maybe isn't given the time to breathe that it maybe should. I don't, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to be the most negative on this season, but I still liked it. So take that as you will. Um, my best. Episode, yeah, I, I got a couple um, of
2: voicemails. Well, I got a couple of voicemails from Alex when he was watching, and they just said, "Britain." Where's Yoda?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that joke wasn't really
2: worth interrupting you. I apologize. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's so funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got Tyler to laugh. I mean, that's that's really
0: no, that's really all I need. I don't even have any Dornish wine. I don't know what's happening here. Um, continue. <laughs>
1: um, my best episode is going to be the Queen's Justice episode three. Um, I think there's a lot of really, really fun stuff that happens in this episode, the first mm, of which mm-hmm. being we finally get John meeting Daenerys, and it's this huge buildup, and I don't think that disappoints. Um, I really love the intro where, uh, you know, sunday is, is listing off all of Daenerys' names, and then you cut to Davos, and he's like, this is Jon Snow, king of the north! <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love all that stuff, and the fact that... Um, you know, they start their conversation and they're trying to be diplomatic, but then it kind of breaks down and there's actually conflict between them. I appreciate that. We're not just going, Oh, Hey, they're both like seemingly the, the main like good characters on the show. And they're just going to naturally align. Um, I like how we're, we're, you know, still having conflict between them about, you know, what each of their goals are and, you know, who's going to bend the knee to who, Mm -hmm. um, I liked all that stuff. um, Aside from that, uh, I love, I, I we'll get into Euron, but the sure. fact that, that we, we kind of end the Dorn plot with Alaria being delivered to Cersei and, you know, she has that horrible, uh, death for, uh, mm-hmm. and one of the, uh, Sand Snakes. Tyene? Um, yes. Correct. <laughs> the one that everyone hates because she has the quote unquote worst line in the show, sure. I guess. Um, and so, yeah, I my guess, favorite of the three. So I guess the online community was was overjoyed about that. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, um, I felt like she had the most personality.
1: The the, the big thing you
0: got to learn about the internet, Alex, is that they hate women. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> we also. Get, I, I, isn't this also the episode where Jorah shows up at Dragonstone, or is that later? Uh, that is later i think that's a good
0: question wait no 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 i think this is no, the no, episode no, it's, it's where it's later, revealed
1: it's that um sam's surgery on him worked yes which yes. was also yeah. really fun um yeah. i know that that the actual surgery was in the previous episode and is mm-hmm. very unsettling <laughs> but i liked it a lot um yeah and then there's the the wonderful scene with jamie and olena as we kind of end her story um and he, she reveals that she is responsible for Joffrey's death, and it's super, super mm-hmm. uh, good scene. And, yeah. you know, Diana Rigg, rest in peace. Man. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful ending scene for her character. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably my best one. Um, the episodes are either, for me, pretty good, pretty consistent, or they're just kind of messy and sloppy. Um, that one I felt was the most consistent of all of them. Yeah. Um, my worst one has to be episode six beyond the wall. And I feel really bad about that given that the director is Alan Taylor. Sure. Um, it feels it, it, it oddly enough, it feels like it falls into the same pitfalls that his movies do that <laughs> Thor, the dark world and Terminator, Genesis where it's, it's all about the spectacle and it's, it's about the, the big action sequences and the special effects. And they just forget logic and character in, weird ways um there are so many just weird things that happen in that episode i'm already questioning kind of what the the episode is about and the mission to go capture a white and we have like all of our most important characters going out to do this including john um i was already questioning that as a premise to the episode and then it just i like i i You know, I've been kind of resisting getting into the complaints about, like, time conveniences and how long it takes people to travel to to places, but this one, like, I don't think it just stretches it. I think it flat well breaks the logic. I
0: think Um. this is very distinct from a lot of those other complaints. I think there were already a lot of complaints about that going into the season, and this episode did not help in terms of, like, ah, Varys was in Dorne, and then he was back with Daenerys. How did that happen? Which is, like, well, you know, you can just say that, Time passed. It's fine. This is one of the well, few... Once again,
1: the, the thing that I wanted to highlight with, with those, and, and kind of what I argued in previous episodes was we don't know, like, if we if you're showing me, like, Arya and Bravos mm-hmm. and Sansa and Winterfell in a single episode, while they are happening in the same episode, they could be happening weeks or months yep. apart. We don't know. What's happening to Arya, if she's like, laying there bleeding out because the Waif stabbed her, that could be Months ahead or months behind, you know Sansa and Theon jumping off the, the the castle wall. You know what I mean. Um, so so I've I've kind of been lenient on on the show in that in that regard, and you know despite that, it felt like this season there were a lot of I, I was giving it a lot of you know gimmies where where it was like okay y- y'all are traveling to places pretty fast. We're not giving this a whole lot of time to breathe, but I'm okay with that because. You know, we're, we're we're trying to move this on. You know, we're, we've we've experienced characters traveling long distances before, yeah. so I, I don't know if it's you know necessary to be to continue doing that, especially when we're ramping up to our big finale with the last season. But this episode completely, well, like, the the fact that we have kind of the, the breaking ice that is refreezing for that that lake that they're all in the middle of. Um, and that's kind of we have a physical landmark from which we're basing how long this is supposed to take it's completely ridiculous and it it completely breaks my immersion in an episode that was already i was already questioning yeah. um, i think i know uh, oh go ahead i was just going to say i think the big key difference is the
0: fact that these are all events that relate to each other and lock like there is a locked yeah. timeline of these events <clears throat> right. happening yeah. within this this episode so you can't be like oh well Maybe there, like, it you have to have a certain amount of time for this to happen. Um, and I will throw out there, uh, from the book, the behind the scenes book, um, Alan Taylor did talk about this, and basically he was like, "Well, you know, I figured we we kind of had some leeway because it's a land of eternal winter, and you don't really know what time of day it is, or whatever." And it was not a very like strong defense. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he was like, "Yeah, people got upset at me about that," and I was kind of like, "Oh, okay, I'm sad now." like apparently he just he just was not i don't know uh maybe got a little too excited to uh hop back into thrones and uh wanted to be a little too bombastic without thinking about the details i don't know
1: yeah i i mean between that and i i know there's kind of the infamous behind the scenes or i still feel terrible for benioff and weiss when they have to do those behind the scenes breakdowns and it's just like we're just going to force you guys to sit down for an hour and literally dissect every single plot point that happens in this season. Um I feel really bad for them having to do that. Um but there's that that kind of infamous moment where one of them says, you know, gosh darn it, we want a zombie polar bear. Um and I that scene's just like if if if, if I was into the episode, I could imagine that scene being a lot of fun, but I was just like this is just dumb action schlock and I'm kind of annoyed. Um and I spent most of that episode being kind of annoyed and frustrated and a lot of people were having conversations that they should have had previously but because we're not actually dealing with people traveling, they have to have them now. Um John would have talked to Jora about handing off his the sword um much earlier. Um it, it's just it's very weird and it it was it was completely taking me out of it and this show has done such a good job of not breaking my immersion uh, because it, it pays it, – it tries to pay attention, at least I feel, to, to the smaller details and making sure the world feels fleshed out. So when we're just like taking these these huge excuses and, and just kind of taking things for granted, it's very, very distracting. Sure. So, yeah, that's that's my worst episode. I'll get off my soapbox. But, yeah, that I, I think overall if I were to say – you know what is the worst episode of the show like overall i think that is the worst episode it doesn't have the worst moment because once again that's jamie raping cersei which we talked about thoroughly um but i think that is the worst episode of game of thrones
2: too much action schlock not enough james bond so
1: I, <laughs> which has never been about action schlock. What are you talking <laughs> <Never>.
2: about? <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> that that dovetails, Tyler. If you don't mind me Go for me it. going, um, yeah, season uh, episode six was also my weakest. Uh, same things, you know. Uh, it, I think it was most egregious for me when, you know, it took them a, a little ways to get to the white. But then they're like, Gendry, you have to run back. You're very (laughs) fast. And Gendry makes it back pretty quickly and then gets a raven all the way to Dragonstone, which is like, and then Daenerys. And I, okay. All of that was like, I, I I similarly had been giving the show grace with the time because of the disjointed events and just, you know, there's after a certain point, it's like, this is just, it's more convenient. They just, they made it. Okay. They got there. That's all you really need to know. But this did stretch it. Um, there was stuff in there I liked. I personally really liked the polar bear uh, white. I thought it looked really cool. And also that was, and I having not seen the episode before, I I was like, oh man, this is like the first terror that they're running into in, in this uh, snow covered wasteland. And I, I liked how it was shot where it was like, they're blinded by the snow and then they light it on fire. And I love how they're maintaining uh, the Hound's PTSD with fire. I think that's a great through line the show has really adhered to in a great way. Um, I liked all those conversations, even if they felt weirdly placed. I still liked the yeah. way that they went. Yeah, I agree. I wrote, I wrote that Richard Dormer, who plays Barrack, has a really cool voice. <laughs> <And> that guy's <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it, there, there's there's little things that I liked uh, within it, but ultimately the time stuff what? bothered me. And I think that the whole plan to go capture a white felt very clunky to me. That whole yeah. little section of the show felt clunky. Now, where it got them, I think, is great. Where it's like, okay, after all, at, at the end of of episode six, I was like, well, I love where we are right now. Because John and Daenerys are on, are totally on, they are now, have, have more respect for each other. Daenerys is totally on board with the, oh, we got to get the White Walkers first. Yep, yep, we got to do that. Now we can all go see Cersei, and uh, Thoros is dead. Okay, which raises the stakes for Barrack. Um, sure, it, and I like that Gendry's back. That's awesome. But just these, when they were making the plan about, we'll have to go capture a white. I was like, this is. I don't. I don't. I admittedly don't have
1: a, uh, an alternative option. So, <laughs> hey. Well, but I, it I just think, felt a little strange. I think my argument would be. I don't feel like it's something that we need to send a bunch of main characters out for. Sure. I feel like sure. that's something that could almost happen off screen where it's just like, hey, send, send a raven to Tormund. Tell him to send a, a group of like 20 wildlings out and have them capture just a random white around, you know, somewhere beyond yeah. the wall. And I feel like if you had three episodes later, oh, they got one, then you're good. <laughs> but Night King wouldn't have a zombie dragon. Right. I know. Um, and, and that's and that's, that's part of the problem. Is and very also, in the show's defense for the frozen po- the the zombie polar bear, that does establish that um, creatures beyond humans can be yeah. zombified. So there is yeah. now that I'm thinking about it, there is a bit of a story sure. purpose um, beyond just being action schlock. Yeah. But going back to the other part, I don't like. I don't want to use the, the you know the plot armor argument. Because I think that's kind of dumb and overused, but it was kind of annoying that just like Thoros was the only one that that got the axe. Yeah, uh, well, I guess Benjamin, but Look, he shows up at the end. If we um, can, if and, we can
0: uh, put a put a pin in it sure. for now, because I, I know this is the well, one I just want to kind of tear apart. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think because it. We got a number of the beast here because I six six six. We're we're going for <laughs> the same episode. Um, oh, I'm I'm also gonna say this is my worst, and I think we're gonna have a very big conversation about that. And so, Burton, if you want to say your best, yeah. then I'll do my best. We yeah. can just jump into that and just talk about that for like twenty minutes because I think it's probably yeah. worth it. Please, Please do. Yeah, my
2: my best is probably the rest of the season. It was I was had a really hard time picking a best episode. Maybe every single, best. I'm gonna just. Every episode had something I really loved. I'm going to go with the finale, um, because I think the thing, uh, Arya kills Littlefinger. And I gasped out loud, literally went, <gasps> when Sansa turned her face and said, Lord Baelish. I was like, are
3: you kidding me?
2: And I just want to thank both of you and the internet for not spoiling that for me. I somehow <laughs> never knew that, that he died. I never knew how. He, I never knew anything about Littlefinger's end of his arc. And I found it deeply satisfying. I was so happy. We will obviously get into that. I sure. have three all-caps notes <laughs> that are just me being excited about it. <laughs> um, and uh, But also, I feel like that episode in general is really, really good and has a lot of good stuff in it, um, including a zombie dragon scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, oh, a lot of stuff that goodness. I like in the season of the show. Tyler?
0: Um, the yeah i I was torn between like three that uh really stood out to me here um one being the finale. I also thought the the pilot was really really great and, yeah. and almost got my nod because i I just found and we'll talk about that i found that the way that that like reset kind of the universe after everything that happened i think was really really strong um but i am gonna i'm gonna go uh with the big bombastic take and say episode four um I really really enjoy that that first clash of like we've got the dragons and the dothraki invading westeros and we're seeing what that looks like i think that's really impactful i think it's it's a really well done uh, intense sequence um let's see what else was there in that episode that i found quite strong um oh we get the we get a sequence that has always stuck with me which is the brian and aria training sequence in winterfell that's a fun little yes. uh yeah riposte uh that I quite like, and uh, it's a good thing to put a pin in because it'll be useful later. Uh, it is setting something up. Um, Davos drops the fewer line in this episode. Yes. yes. Which is quite fun. Incredible. Uh, he quotes Stannis, and John's like, What? And he's like, Nothing. Uh, then, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, just the entire end of that. I think there's some really incredible stuff from Ramin Jawadi. Uh, where he's like working in reigns of Castamere into like Daenerys's theme and playing it like with different instrumenta- instrumentation so that you know that all works together. Um, I, it's and it's just like a horrifying sequence to watch these guys get atomized um, and and turned to dust and like everyone's losing their yeah. minds uh, and Bronn's whole thing where he's trying to shoot down Drogon and I, I think it's a it's just a really impactful sequence um, and I think. Well, I'm sure we'll have some more thoughts on that, uh, yeah. but just overall, that one stuck with me a lot. Um, I still think that's kind of the, the high point of the season, but I found, I would say for me, it was, it was quite interesting because I think one, three, and, or one, four and seven were very, very strong. Um, I think two and three were also very, also quite solid, and then six, yeah, I would agree is, is quite a step down um, from what we're used to. Uh, So we can we can dive into that. Um, I do want to I want to go ahead and throw out there that I feel like I don't know if we've reached the levels of uh, early season two. That would that's my one argument as far as like (laughs) quality of the episode, Um, just because I think early season two is like the closest the show comes to being like a mediocre AMC type thing. Like a like mm. something that they'd stick after Walking Dead to, to see if they can get it to get new ratings, um, sure. <laughs> like that's or or even like you know a, a major cable program like a, just in terms of uh, the reliance on the the sex and you know right weird violence and stuff like the I don't know I still do not like the, hey, art, I, the beginning. I, scene I
1: watched three
2: episodes of Into the Badlands, <laughs> so um, <laughs>
0: marketing has power. Yes. Uh, But, the, yeah, I, de- I definitely think it's down there. I think it's it, it, we're talking yeah. about that in that range in terms of just, like, it's such a, a sloppy episode in terms of various details. And, yeah, Alex, uh, I think you were kind of getting on this point about the fact that there's a bunch of random guys. Uh, this might be my worst thing about the episode. The, the fact that there's a bunch of random guys that just go with them. And so then, yeah. like, we kill them off randomly. We're just like, all right you th- this guy who you literally did not see before. Like you did not see his face until his death scene is now dying. Yeah. And no one really reacts to them. <laughs> like no one is like yeah. concerned, like, Oh it, no it, guy it, that I, came with I mean, us. It, we bonded. It,
1: it, it's not just that it's, it's also just like there are long pauses and stretches in the battle where, where characters are just like standing around. And then suddenly a bunch of whites just kind of run into frame. And I'm like, where were they? Sure. Why aren't they all just continuing to rush in? There were a lot of just, like, weird cinematic liberties given just because of scene pacing. I'm like, Game of Thrones (laughs) typically doesn't work like that. Right. Which I found super, super frustrating. Yeah, and I I definitely think we,
0: I think they should have just had it be, these are our seven guys. Thoros Mm -hmm. dies, Gendry runs back if that's still a plot point, whatever. Um, And then it's just like, all right, we've we've got these five guys and they're, they're fighting it out, and and none of them die. Like they, some of them right. come close, but none of them die. And I think you can just get away with that just fine. You don't have to like. We know the stakes of getting okay. attacked by whites. Like
1: I, I do. Have, I do have a question. Sure. So, h- how long do we think it takes for Gendry to run, get the Raven out, the Raven to travel all the way to Dragonstone, and for Daenerys to choose to cl- to fly all the way back? How long do we think that takes? I, because I would <laughs> estimate that that ice would take. An hour to refreeze mats. Mm. I think <laughs> Alex, you have a lot of you have a lot of yarn connecting between pictures behind you. he have you been, uh, you been busy. I would I would think. Look, I'm getting super conspiratorial with my Dornish wine. It's fine. So we're talking about like a lot of whites, right? Um, and
0: I'm not going to do mm-hmm. any research on this because I, you know, feelings, man. Just we just gotta <laughs> go with it. Um, I would think that there are enough of them that, like, putting more pressure on the on the lake until it's, like, really frozen through would be a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, also, we do see that the lake is, like, it's possible to break it again later in the fight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I re- the implication has to be, like,
1: at least a few days, right? I would... Yeah, like, like it has to be at least a few days, if not, and, like, a week. And that's sort of how the episode is
0: paced, is, like, okay, we're, you know... We're, we're checking back in on these guys and clearly it's been a while um but even like at the longest stretch i don't know how because then you're also getting into like hypothermia <laughs> starvation <Yeah. laughs> like what are they drinking i guess they have they have water with them but like, like
1: i almost wonder if you know i could have helped to to have like i i don't even know if this is realistic or not but you have almost like a, a ticking time bomb not not in terms of just the the one ring of ice refreezing but almost like you send the men out like sure every couple of hours to re-break the ice around them but like it's slowly like coming in so this the circle is slowly yeah. decreasing in size and the, the the whites are slowly like getting in on them yeah um i don't know that i don't see that might come off as super silly but it's already silly so i don't know <laughs> I think that would work effectively
0: as well in terms of I think there are there are things like that you could do to, to have them establish like we are trying we are doing everything we can to stop from getting, you know, attacked by these guys. And so, right? you know, it's I mean, uh, it's sort of like a, a thing, an aliens thing, you know, when they're setting up like the room mm-hmm. with the flamethrower or is it flamethrowers or is it a uh, Gatling guns or something like that? It's like turret guns. Turret or something, guns, yeah. yeah. And they're watching the turrets count down. You know, you want to get that kind of tone or that kind of feeling. Yeah. And I just don't think they they quite capture like enough of a sense of like how long we're waiting and what's wrong. And the fact, I mean, I, I think it's not that big of a deal, but it does kind of annoy me that they start walking just because like the hound throws a rock, and then they're like, "Oh, oh I the thought that was person. incredibly dumb." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> yeah." Like you, like to your point about them testing the waters. I think even if you had it where it's like every now and then one of the whites walks out there. Because like it, it almost feels like that's what's going to happen is that they, the, the stone hits the frozen lake and then one of the whites starts walking out and it's like, ooh, ooh. And then he just gets all the way there. Right. And so like it almost feels like that moment should be a moment where the white walks and it gets like 10 feet out and then it falls in. And so you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. we're fine. And so then like it, it feels like that's how you set that up where you continually have them trying it and then it falls through until eventually one of them gets all the way there and every time it's like a suspenseful sequence. I think you can do more stuff with that. Um, yeah. to play up the tension and make it more believable.
2: Yeah, I um, I agree. I also h- had a hard time believing that the Hound would do something that silly. Sure. That yeah. the Hound would be like, I'm just going to throw a rock at these guys. He does take the one's jaw off, and that's funny. <laughs> but like, one of, well, I almost one wonder my... if
1: they could have used like, one of those extraneous characters and just made it, like, a oh, comedic sure. bit like that and be like, oh, this dumb one-off character that's gonna die in five seconds is the cause of, sure. of this happening.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But,
2: yeah, I agree. I agree to your point. Well, One one of my notes is, "John, you big dummy. Which is <laughs> I, when <laughs> Daenerys comes to save everybody and he's like, oh, we can escape. No, I have to stay to... It wasn't he... It, 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 at least I didn't get this, that it was staged where he was, like, running to save somebody, and then he got grabbed and pulled back. It's like, he literally just chose not to get on the dragon.
1: Well, uh, let let me say, uh, it's, so everyone starts climbing on to the dragon. The Night King is like, okay, I'm gonna kill one of these dragons. He decides to kill one that's already flying, and not the one that has all of our main characters. That's kind of dumb, but whatever. (laughs) Um, so he kills the one that's flying um, And John is like in, Everyone's in shock And so John, out of impulse Wants to go and try and fight the Night King So he starts moving yeah. away from the group To see if he can get to him And then he realizes Oh they've got another spear that kills the dragons Maybe everyone just leaves. Yeah that's, that's yeah, kind of how just... that geography works. And then he gets dragged into the
0: water. It's edited in a way where John is trying to stop them from, or to help everyone else get on the dragon first, like, by, by yes. knocking out White's. And then he sees the Night King. He's like, yeah. I'm going to get the Night King. And then he's like, right. oh, crap, I yeah. can't get the Night King. And then he walks back. Um,
2: right. And then everything okay. So and I then, think that tracks De-
1: well enough. Right. Um,
2: okay. And then, and then Deus Ex Benjen.
1: I mean, I, I already it's like, think it's silly that that John is able to stay underwater for that long for the yeah. whole army of the dead to walk away. He gets up, he's completely fine. He's sure. shivering a bit, even though he'd totally be dead. Yeah. It's those um, Ned Star, frostbite, those Ned Stark clothes. They're magic. It's fine. um <sighs> The And power then Billion of shows up and gives him his horse <laughs> and is like, there's not enough time for me to get on the horse sure. too. just leave? Like, it's oh. so dumb! Well, I was thinking, I, I read
0: that as, mm. like, yeah, if he got on sense. the horse as well, the horse is going to be slower. I don't know. That was my thought. But... Um, it is, I, I, did have the note there that I was like, John's gotta assume that he's like hallucinating his death right now from hypothermia, right <laughs> right. Now, right? Like he gets, he gets out of the water and Bingen, Bingen shows up for the first time ever. When it, like he hasn't seen him in years yeah. and he's like, what? And then he sends him off. Uh, yeah. Although I, I, I will say I like Benjin's little flamey flail. That's good. Oh yeah. That's, that's good. That's a good thing. I
1: do. All, I do also like the setup of that scene. I like the image of John just kind of stumbling away, and he's like, maybe they won't notice me, <laughs> yeah. and then they just all turn around and see him. Well,
2: and I and I like I like the ending of that, where the Night King turns Viserion. Like that's a great yes. Oh, that's great a great. Like, like oh okay, mm-hmm. that's very scary. And the season, the episode had some good stuff, like away from the wall, where aria was talking about the archery and how ned was always cool with it and that she wasn't wrong the rules were wrong i did think to myself did Catelyn ever say anything cool because they quote ned like every episode this season <laughs> every episode they're like oh it's time for dinner <laughs> father loved dinner he always said a uh, a perfect dinner had. And then they just like tell a whole story about Ned talking about dinner. And I guess Catelyn never said anything great, which is crazy because Catelyn was wonderful. Um, I mean, sorry. Catelyn's most epic line is. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. She had a speech about John that was pretty great.
1: <laughs> also, no climbing. <laughs> um, I also liked um,
2: that the. So when, when John kills the White Walker and all of. <laughs> all of the other Whites crumble except for the one. And I understand the yeah. rule of like, oh, when the person that turned you dies, you die. I get that. But then it was I, like, that I, White, I like to think uh, that that White, it was like a Team Rocket situation. It was like, I didn't catch this Pokemon, but I'm going to keep it. And he's well, just I, like... No, I, <laughs>
1: I'll put it to you this way. I feel like if that was the one gimme in terms of its convenience, yeah. because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I'm reminded of the Avengers because Joss Whedon has a com- commentary track on that where he goes. Women aren't people. The main my biggest regret of that. <laughs> my biggest regret of of kind of the, the plot for that movie is that you blow up the big ship and then all of the aliens just die. Sure. And nice. It's it's phantom men- menace logic. Um. So I really am opposed to them doing that for this show. Um. I, I, I don't but, – but once again, if that was like the one thing that I could give the show in terms of like, okay, I'll give you that. You're working really hard with all the other elements you got going here. But once again, I, I – the more I'm talking about it, the more I dislike that episode. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, that episode is kind of flat out bad. I, I, think, I, think, definitely, I think it needs yeah, – I think that was a
2: matter of like, of the writers being like, uh, how do we separate a why? this will be convenient. Let's just – do it well, and, that, and that's fine it, like i'm okay with like you said alex if that were the only one in the episode i'd be like okay whatever
0: <laughs> and beyond yeah. it being like a convenience it does give them a reason to be like oh hey sure we killed this guy they all fell except that guy right so this means there's some connection here like the, it helps them figure that out but it really should be like oh there's there's three or four like yeah, like yeah. they kill the white walker and a bunch of them collapse and they're like okay and they knock out Two or three more, and then they've got they've got their one guy, and they're like, okay, so clearly these guys came from another White Walker, right? They need to. It needs to be again it's the fact the same, that
1: it's literally just one it, that we had a one yeah. stray in the group. It's it's right. ah, it's, it's so the same bad. thing
0: as uh, as the the guys who are like randomly getting killed off during their, yeah. all this. It's like you you should just have it be that everyone survives except Thoros. <laughs> like you don't right. You, yeah. We don't need to like make this so obvious what the storytelling point is i don't know um this does also have the one aria sansa scene that even on a on a rewatch and trying to like really figure out what is going on with that little finger plotline. um i found myself because i know that a lot of people are very confused about the way that was playing out real time as it you know
1: was airing yeah I'm still a little confused. Yes. I think I've got it figured out.
0: Well, the, the, this, this episode has the one scene that really bothered me in terms of not understanding exactly what they're getting at, which is the one where um, Arya and Sansa confront each other in one of the rooms, and Arya's talking about being a faceless man. Sansa finds her faces, and she's like, what in the world? Um, and, like, they're talking about that, and Arya's, like, playing the game, quote-unquote, with her, um, and then eventually she hands her the dagger. And so I think my my take and maybe you guys had a different take on this my understanding is that the idea there is that maybe Arya has figured out that little finger is now listening or trying to play them against each other so she doesn't want to like outright say hey little finger is you know doing yeah. something or i don't know she's trying to be sneaky and she hands her the dagger to be like go talk to bran we, we should we should all like let, let's reset here because like there's something else going on um that's what i gathered from that scene and Because then, like, the next thing that happens is the trial. Um, or I think, actually, no, sorry. In the next episode, we have Sansa and Littlefinger talking. But it seems like Sansa, at that point, is actually faking it. Like, like she's not actually buying everything Littlefinger's saying. It seems like she's, at that point, kind of playing along with what he's saying. Just in the way she's her performance is. Like, yeah. I feel like there's something there where she's kind of like, Oh yeah, Arya. she's a problem. But does Arya want to be lady of Winterfell? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it feels like at that point she's gotten on a little finger. And then the next scene is a trial where they where they like flip the script on him. Um, it's just that one scene where I'm like, I don't know if this explains enough of what's going on, <laughs> like tips you off enough to then be able to connect the dots later. Um, um, I'm, and if, that, that bothered me again. I'm, I'm going to say, watch.
2: cause for me going in, I, I, like I said, didn't know anything about this. I had right. no idea. I thought because I was following it all, just taking it as presented that there was yeah. genuine tension between Arya and Sansa, right. and that it was. And I think to a there head. is right, right. But I the, think there the, is the, all earlier
0: in the episode, and I think it's not poorly done either. Like no, I think there no. is actual complaints they have about each other. Yeah, that work well. That are actually like, oh, they they did not get along with their kids. And now they still have grievances because of like the fact that they, you know neither of them prevented their father from dying. They, like they're yep. still frustration over this. There's real tension there on top of whatever Littlefinger's trying to do. Well, and
2: I think that there's an interesting dynamic between the four Stark children, where we as the audience completely know where all of these people have been, why they are the way they are, mm-hmm. but they have no idea. They're they're still they're right. having to get reused to each other. And I especially noticed this with Arya. And before I realized that at some point it turns into a play where, like, Arya and Sansa are, are pretending for Littlefinger yep. spying, I was like, I don't know if—I feel like Arya's going too far into the, like— And I understand she's, like, a paranoid former assassin who's like, everyone's an enemy, I don't trust anybody. But it felt yep. too, like, I don't want you guys to fight each other, like, this is too far. Now, of course, that I realize, after a point it became a ploy— I was probably just taking the ploy as real because I didn't know that it was going to be a ploy. Um, so whenever I rewatch it, I'll be able to say better. But yeah, so that therefore that scene may have not done a very good job tipping us off because it didn't tip me off.
1: I, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting because my read on it this time was that they were faking from the beginning. Hmm. Um, And I think the thing that kind of confuses this the most is the brand of it all. Because we have a scene very early on where... where aria is reintroduced to him and and sansa's like yeah he has visions he kind of sees everything so i i'm left wondering if just how much they're going to him to be like do you know do you have any sort of context for this thing and apparently um the actor that plays bran uh, apparently he he has said that there was there was a scene cut where Sansa goes to confide in him and to get some answers, mm. um, and I feel like that is sorely lacking from no. this. I don't. I have no idea why that was cut. Um, yeah, I have some, words but even about still, <laughs> my, my question isn't so much the Sansa and Arya angle as it is Littlefinger right. because I. I get to a certain point. I get what we're trying to do. It, it's Sansa ultimately tricking the tricker, the, the trickster. Yeah. Like that's the idea. I don't understand why Littlefinger just spends all of this season just standing around Winterfell waiting for things to happen. Um, and I get that he's trying to manipulate Sansa, but it just feels like a huge step down for his character. And he seems far less proactive than he has previously. Um, and like when we get to the, I I don't know it, it just that entire that entire plot line just seemed really mishandled to me. I mean, I would it argue. feels like, and and I I I'll just I'll just end up by saying this. Sir. I like we've we pointed out like Littlefinger is not the smartest guy. Like he's a smart guy and he does think about things and he does manipulate people effectively. But mm-hmm. he he does make mistakes based off of his emotions and what his attachments are and what his goals are but this uh, around this time i was just like i i'm i'm losing track of this guy and and why he's getting tricked so easily and why he's he's just here i well, don't know why how anything he is doing gets him to the iron throne and i guess that's the problem i don't know what his plan is aside from i'm going to try and manipulate sansa because you know i i like I, sansa
0: i think he's trying to manipulate everyone away from sansa i think that's yeah. Like, because, I mean, immediately you have the... Um, at the end of the last season, you have the King in the North scene where Sansa's, like, there, and Littlefinger is looking off to the side like, hmm, I can use this. She, she, they're they're crowning him and not her. How does she feel about this? Like, I think that's his angle from the beginning. Um, and and the fact... Because, for one, she, he's trying to turn her against Arya. Um, he's like, Arya's trying to undermine you. What's happening there? Um, I also think this this plays into the fact that he tries to get her to send away brianne because he's like oh Brienne, brianne's working with aria what's that about hmm maybe you should get rid of her i think all of that's yeah is him trying to be like i want to isolate you so that i can be like your trusted advisor and then maybe at some point
1: i can convince you to uh let me love you (laughs) well that, that was the thing that really got got me this time and why i like i i have like actively disliked that plot line and in mm-hmm. previous viewings, and this this time I was starting to understand s- sort of the inner machinations of it, and I think that Brienne scene kind of helped with that because it's like, it, it's like, oh, we have been shown Brienne is like Sansa's shield; she is like the one thing protecting her, so she actively sends her away, and that's a trick, um,
0: right to make but, Littlefinger think that, or at least yeah. potentially to make that's a trick to make Littlefinger think, oh, that's it's working; I'm I'm manipulating,
1: right. but. My my question is, I don't think it's mentioned that Brienne is gone again after that. After when she actually leaves, like, there's not a scene where Arya is talking with Sansa, sure. and, and it's like their their faux confrontation, mm-hmm. and and she's mentioning, "Well, now you're completely helpless. You don't have your your loyal bodyguard here." Um, like, there's I I don't know. It, it feels inconsistent in how it's handled. It's and it, I was, I it was feels like we have that. a we have the tip of
0: an iceberg. Mm-hmm. And we can understand that there's an iceberg there, but we don't have right. the
1: iceberg. Yeah, it, it feels like I'm missing, like, two or three scenes that would help yeah. shore up my issues.
2: Yeah. All that said, I was so satisfied in the trial when all, Littlefinger has to watch all of his plans crumble.
0: Yeah. Yes. that was and... That was
2: more satisfying to me than him getting his throat cut, which I'm glad he got his throat cut sure and and that they added in him trying to talk but he lost his his weapon which was always his yeah. his words but i like that the mm-hmm. the the real punishment for him was all your plans are dust you everyone is like your whole thing has been subterfuge and thinking pe- getting people to think you're on their side and now everyone knows you're not everybody knows it's all your fault yeah it, you're, you're, right. the secrets out your yeah. covers everything that you treasured is blown and Now you're going to start crying. And it just, all of that was made me so happy. And I love that he's
0: like, he's like, let me defend myself. And then immediately he's like, take me back to the veil. (laughs) It's like,
2: no. And I love that Yon has that one line where he goes, no. Um, Oh, it's so wonderful. But I
0: also, I think that's just, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, putting aside the mechanics of the plot, um, it's a really poetic thing to have it be like, Oh, L- Littlefinger went among Ned Stark's children, and he was like, "I can manipulate these people," and he totally couldn't, and they completely yeah. just like destroyed his his plans. Whereas he's the one who took Ned into the into King's Landing and like played him against a bunch of different people and, and got him killed. Yeah. I think that's really nice. That's that's a really good kind of cathartic way for him to end and also um we had spent a while talking about this in an earlier episode and i completely forgot about this they confirmed that the dagger was uh little fingers all along
2: right right um
0: because in the books at some point they just reveal after the fact oh yeah that was joffrey's and joffrey thought that his dad wanted him to kill Bran, so he like jo- joffrey was misunderstanding the situation so he tried to have Bran killed and he was just a confused angry psychopathic boy um this, I think, ties things back together, especially because the dagger becomes really important. They, they bring that back in as a plot yeah. point. Um, I think that makes it work a lot better. That's like, oh, Littlefinger tried to kill him um, because, I don't know, Littlefinger's chaotic. Uh, yeah. he, actually, no, I think the the way the show presents it is that he's trying to continue to drive the rift between the Lannisters and the Starks. Yeah. Is like, yes. oh, yes. It's, it's Tyrion Lannister's dagger that killed Bran. What happened there? Like, I, I think that's... Um, pretty pretty interesting way of going about it i like yeah, that that little absolutely. switch that little change
1: yeah i i would i would say i ultimately like where where that that plot goes and i i think that ending scene with little finger is, is really really powerful mm-hmm. i just once again I, I feel like we're missing some stuff that would really help to to give us some context sure. um and i know that's that's hard to do when it's supposed to be well, it's not just Arya and Sansa tricking Littlefinger. They're also tricking the audience because yeah. we're supposed yeah. to actively believe that there's a rift between them. And I could see you know, some, some people getting frustrated by that and being like, the Starks are reunited. This is dumb that they're just fighting each other for petty reasons. Um, I, I almost feel like it drags on too long. I feel like... Because it, it, it goes mm-hmm. for like three or four episodes. I wonder if they kind of... And I know it's weird given kind of the complaints about pacing and like they're going too fast. I wonder if they wrapped all of that up. Like they started it almost like having a whole episode dedicated to stuff at Winterfell and just having like Sansa and Arya's conflict like escalating. And it's like, Oh, this whole thing was a trick in a single episode. Right. I wonder if that would have, if that would have helped. I Maybe don't know.
0: So yeah.
1: Um, yeah i
0: think the the pacing thing in general on this season is interesting because if we unless if nobody has any more salient points uh we can pivot into more broad discussion and find another place to mine. um sure because i i mentioned that i really really enjoyed the first episode Mm -hmm. um because i felt like uh, kind of going back to episode to season six as well um it was moving faster but it felt natural that it was moving faster and the I, I especially really enjoy the way we lay out this we set the scene at the beginning of that where we've got like Cersei and Jamie are talking about okay, we've got enemies over here, we've got, you know, the the Reach, they're a problem. We've got Dorne, they're a problem. Daenerys is coming, what's that about? And I like that they set up this political conflict. And I know people complain about over the course of those first few episodes what happens with uh Highgarden getting taken and, like, Casterly Rock and and that sort of switch-up, and there's the big battle on on the sea with the Iron Fleets. Um, And I get that, but I also don't know... Like, basically, it feels like at this point we get the momentum of where this is going, and the really key element of that that we do spend a lot of time on is, oh, now we're introducing Daenerys. Now we're introducing her armies and what they do and how they affect this uh, political landscape. Because up to that point, we're kind of just, we're fighting with armies, and we're like, okay, we got, you know, they're they're going over here, and, and they're, yeah. we're, we're abandoning Casterly Rocks so that they'll take the bait there, and we can go take High Guard, and this is all, we're used to this, we get all this, we we captured the Dornish girls, yeah, that's great, we, you know, they're, we killed their, their uh, conspiracy, awesome, um, and I think that all works, like, we, I don't think we need to spend that long seeing those conflicts, because ultimately they're not that big of a deal and like we you know the lannisters versus the tyrells that's been an interesting king's landing conflict i don't think it's much it's very interesting when elena's the only one left (laughs) like i don't i don't think we need to be that devoted to seeing that out to the conclusion
1: when there's this new huge thing that we have to get to um yeah um I, i think my my argument to that. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be like it needs to be longer. We sure. need to see more of it. It's more just how it reflects on Tyrion and how he's working as a strategist. Um, because if we're literally looking at everything he's done so far, it's all been a complete failure. Like everything he has done to help Daenerys has, has been a complete failure. Um, and... I wanted to give kind of some credit to last season because he was in a foreign land and he didn't understand the customs or the culture. So he was bound to screw up and it was already a, a situation that was reaching its boiling point. I could have seen the kind of the masters kind of leading their, their huge massive army to mm-hmm. try and take um, Marine, regardless of whether or not Daenerys was in charge or Tyrion was in charge. Um, so, so that one, I, I was kind of giving some leeway but now, like Tyrion's entire plan of like, oh, they're you know, um, Theon and Yara and 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 what's left of the Martells, they're gonna go pick up the, the Dornish army and bring it back over here, and we're gonna send uh, all the Unsullied uh, Unsullied over to Casterly Rock, um, and we're gonna completely take what's what's left of, of of the Lannister resources and whatnot. And it's like, oh, it's been a huge you know trick, and and. Both Euron and Jaime outflanked and outmaneuvered Tyrion, and it's like, well, I thought Tyrion was smart. Like, I, mean, I thought he was. I thought he was a clever guy. I, my, I, I don't know. My argument.
0: And, well, sorry, finish here.
1: Well, it, it, and it's 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 just like a pattern that develops because then we get to you know the end where he's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go talk to Cersei and I'm gonna go and talk her into helping us, and then like that ends up being a complete waste of time and it ends up not mattering.
0: Well, well, I would also, for one, like to readdress that last conversation next season. We'll talk about it. Um, sure. But, I mean, I guess Jamie does decide to get involved. Well, but. for one, there's that. But also, I think, that, I think there's other stuff there, too, that's interesting to think
1: about. Um, Tyrion comes off as very, very incompetent my, to me in this well, season, which is weird. My
0: argument would be, what other political decisions would he need to make? Because, like... He is fighting against, like, to your point about him being in foreign lands, and that's a whole thing, and it's like, okay, well, maybe that's why he doesn't get the political landscape. Here, I think he's too, he's too inside, (laughs) like, he, he's fighting against his siblings, and I think that that's, in the same way that Tywin never, like, believed in his children's abilities to do anything, (laughs) I would argue that Tyrion has some similar blind spots, where he's like, okay, I'm the smartest Lannister, I'm gonna come in here, and I'm gonna set up these machinations, Um, And he's, he's like relying on his old sewer job and uh, casterly rock. And he's like, Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do all these things. And I don't know, to me that felt like, I I guess I've heard those complaints before for sure. And I've, I've never really bought them because I don't know like what different choice. I think the choices he made were fine. It's just that Jamie was smarter. It doesn't feel to me like Tyrion's being dumbed down. It feels like Jamie's like, Oh, I can, I can think I've never had to fight my brother before. But now that I have, I am. I'm going to actually like use some of my political and uh, military background and be able to outmaneuver him.
1: I guess. I guess my my issue with that is then Daenerys should replace him and get another hand, sure. and that we don't really like. There's no consequences for his failures in that regard in terms of yeah. his position. Um. Yeah, I, I. I don't know. It's. It's just like. We go on like this season long journey of Tyrion going and like rediscovering his purpose and deciding, oh, hey, I want to help Daenerys. And like it ends up, you know, he's just like a comp- he's useless in terms However, of helping her.
0: I would argue also to, to add on to this, he does make multiple advisements that she does not listen to that would have been good ideas. <laughs> because for one, That's he tries true. to get her not to burn the Tarleys. Um, foreshadowing Britain that that's a thing that's a keep, okay.
1: put a pin in that yeah um, I almost wish that that is a, a very important plot point and I know there's a conversation between Tyrion and Varys about that afterwards they needed to mime that a bit more yeah. I think that needs to be a lot more in the foreground of like oh she just made like a really bad decision sure. there um, um because well of, like on, on a rewatch having having watched it a few times I, I was like oh that's like That's okay. We're starting a turning point here, where people are starting to question her decisions. um, It is in a way that they hadn't before, but there's a very
0: specific way it has an impact that cannot be foreseen by anybody involved, though. So I, I want to, I just like obviously Tyrion is advising from a general political thing of like, no, 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 keep keep them prisoner and let them, (laughs) let them think about their actions for a moment, please. Um, But then also later, uh, he's trying to stop her from going. Uh, above the wall he's like right yeah. all those guys the, john that beautiful idiot <laughs> made that decision to <laughs> uh to go up there you gotta you gotta just let it go like it and then of course she goes up there and loses his dragon um and so it's kind of like it, i i don't necessarily think that he's doing like a horrible job i think you could make the argument that she'd she might like just toss him at some point but I don't know when, like, the breaking point would have come, because she does accuse him and talk about, like, y- you seem to be failing against your siblings. What's going on with that? Are you, are, who's, lo- where are your loyalties lying? Like, what's, and, and of course, then it looks like he succeeded when he goes to convince Cersei
1: to send her army back. And so, like, I don't see, I don't know. I, I think it's I, more th- just the fact that, with a single like set of maneuvers, she loses basically all of her allies. True. I feel like she would immediately go, "Okay, Tyrion, you're just like, just just yeah. go. We'll give you a room to stay in, but by, um, but then who would she choose? Varus, Varus. I, I guess you're you're cool. I, you know, I already threatened <laughs> you, so help me out here. <laughs> I guess she could choose Varus, but. On the other hand, also,
0: she's, she's shown quite a bit of loyalty to her advisors, uh, even if it's people like Jorah, who she's yeah. yelled at multiple times and sent away multiple times. That's true. It would have been kind of fun if she made Jorah the hand. I will, I will give you that. I think that would be a <laughs> yeah. nice like, switch if she was like, Tyrion, you're out. Jorah, you're
1: in. Um, well, I, I think this is ultimately where I, the argument of, of having this war be stretched out kind of comes into play because if we have like Tyrion helping with some smaller victories along the way, and then he has a couple of, you know, kind of separated screw ups. I think that's different, but because all of this is happening so quickly, I feel like just because of the way the plot points kind of fall, he gets a lot of the blame and he, and like I said, he comes off as, as just kind of incompetent and that's unfortunate given you know especially like how much he he enjoys the game and, and going back to like seasons two and three where he was like super proactive in king's landing and the politics and it, and it was i don't know it it, it feels like you know I, I get that we're dealing with almost a different character because he's gone through a lot but it feels I, I don't know it feels like they're dumbing him down a bit um in a way that's kind of i don't know it, it's it's a bit frustrating and i i once again i, I don't know how you completely fix that but it's I don't know. It, it, it's just strange to me. Well, I would say oh. t- uh, two things on
2: this. Um, one, he 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 has mostly been dealing with politics. Now he's also dealing with warfare, which is a different sure. whole other set of skills. And also, if they had kept the Taisha storyline, he'd be smarter. I have a note here about <laughs> Varys.
3: <laughs>
2: um, I did really like the conversation where Varys is talking with Daenerys and... She is assuming he's terrible because that's what she does to people, and he's like, "No, my loyalty's with the people, etc." But then she's like, "Okay, swear me an oath that if I ever do something terrible, you'll tell me, or you'll you know something about like you'll snap me back into reality if I go too far off the deep end." And he was like, "I swear it," and I was like, "Hmm, (laughs) yep." I um, I, I, I feel like I should make a disclaimer. For, at least for myself, I, I feel like a lot of, when we've talked about Daenerys on this podcast, we've spent a lot of time pointing out all of the mistakes she's made, and the flaws and the weaknesses in that character, and for me, it's not been because I don't like Daenerys, and I, and I know I have mm-hmm. not proven that as the case. I think it's because I know where her story goes, and I know that a lot right. of people had this complaint that she was that they felt it didn't make sense or it was too rushed or whatever and so with that knowledge I've been spending my time watching her storyline going what what clues are there to both hint that this is coming and also support it when it happens so when I've been pointing all these things out, we've been pointing out, like, oh, here's a bad decision she made. Here's a thing yep. she's not very good at. It's not been like, oh, Daenerys sucks. It's like, oh, this, this this does seem to make sense. Like, I do see the breadcrumbs leading to this thing. And it's it's been really interesting. And maybe other people, when they rewatch the show in the future, will have that same experience, I hope. <laughs> um, just to, like, ease some of people's opinions about the show. Um, and obviously, I have no idea how I feel about season eight. Well, I'll find out sure. soon. But I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 feel like the show is being a little more pointed about the bad decisions Daenerys is making, and maybe Tyrion's ineptitude is supposed to support that as well. Of like, hey, Tyrion's not, Tyrion's messing up a lot. Why isn't Daenerys noticing that more or caring more? Um, she seems to only want bloodshed. But it, it, it does feel. I guess it does feel odd for Tyrion to be more inept, but also like, I don't know. I think at this point in the show, I'm also just watching like what's happened, just basically what's going to happen since I, I'm so unfamiliar with where we are that I am missing a lot of this stuff.
0: I would also throw out there. Um, and this is a couple of points that we can kind of spin off of. Um, in the conversation with Cersei, Tyrion does mention Daenerys chooses advisors who will curb her worst impulses. Mm. Um, I think there's also something to be said there because he's constantly telling her, "Don't go burn King's yeah. Landing, <laughs> please, don't go burn <laughs> King's Landing." But I also think, um, to, to your point, Britton, about like how we've kind of been like Daenerys did another bad thing. Um, I think that the, the some of the Jon stuff and also losing her dragon really helps throw a bit of temper, a bit of humanity yeah. back in there. Um, Definitely. I, I noted specifically at the end of uh, episode six, there's a, a good kind of conversation. And obviously the fact that she really cares about John and she's like, they, they, I did not notice this, but in episode six, they mentioned that he's actually been gone a couple of weeks right. um, or a few weeks. Like, so he's been gone long enough for them to have like gotten to know each other at least. And so she's watching for him on the wall. And like, it's like, I miss John. I, I did not want to see him die that way. I've already lost my dragon. This is awful. And then they have a conversation on the boat where like, he's bending the knee to her and it's really sweet. And it's a, it's a, it's a nice moment. It's a genuinely nice moment where they're like finally sort of talking to each other as humans, instead of trying to like be these political chess pieces um, who have to guard how they say things. Um, And so I thought that was, that was sweet. I I think it's nice because again, even after we're talking about like some of the horrible decisions she makes uh, that are like dehumanizing, they still are like, no, 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 we're not supposed to just be, you're not supposed to hate her. At yeah. any point. You're you're supposed to understand and sympathize with her. Right. Um, even while being like, oh, there's there's flaws. Um, which is how a lot of the characters on the show are. Mm-hmm. So I thought I, that I was agree. interesting. I like that.
2: I, I, I definitely agree. Um So I want to talk about Bran.
0: Yeah, that's a good I was about to say something something. He he's not in the show much,
2: and <laughs> still <laughs> but he has a line. First of all, Jamie has a line where he's like, She has As a dragon, she has two more dragons. If she decides to use them, I mean really use them. And I said, oh, don't worry. The show barely uses them. I don't think she will. Um, (laughs) But Bran has a line where he says, I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. And someone's like, what does that mean? He goes, it's hard to explain. And I have a note. Being the Three-Eyed Raven must be difficult to explain, which is why the show hasn't done it. (laughs) Um, I think it's more explained that he has pow- he has these psychic powers because he's the three eyed raven, but we don't really know like what no. that role is. I also I, the, I this I may be missing it, but it feels weird like the information he does and doesn't have is strange. Where specifically in the finale, which I I, I, I want to later on we can get into this whole monologue. He and when sam are talking Bran brand has already brand reveals to sam john's parentage brand's like i know what happened i know who he is no. i figured it out but then he doesn't is, know that rhaegar
0: and Lyanna were married i do really like that that he says oh his last name is sant because he's a he's a dornish yeah i think that's yeah. quite fun that's a, that's, that's really a good thing but, I, really I was
1: a little bit frustrated by by the double reveal um well, well the, the
2: reason it confused me is i was like brand why do you know this but then ju- but then sam is like oh yeah they actually got married it was an assault and then brand's like oh okay i see now i'm like why did why could you see one thing but not another thing? does that make sense like like well, yeah. why no, is no, this no, past that, that knowledge makes restricted sense. yeah
1: yeah i, I think c- kind of my frustration lies with we have a reveal at the end of the last season about John's parentage. And then (laughs) we have like a a twist on that reveal at the end of this season. And it feels like we're just repeating information. Um, Well, I I get it. So so the first reveal is just Ned is not actually John's father. That's the idea. Well,
0: it's, and, and there is enough information there to be like, Oh, John is, uh, the you can figure out who, that like what Brand says John is the son yeah. of Rhaegar and Lyanna yeah. like there's enough there,
1: but this one has to be like this season's uh, a, you know a big uh, twist has to be very explicit of like no John is if we're going by all the stupid air <laughs> nonsense John is is next yeah. in line to be king or he he it should be king right now um, and I feel like. I don't know, maybe hold off on the reveal from last season and just have it all merged here? I I don't know. Once again, I don't know what the best method is. I just, it it was weird coming back to it because I was like, I feel like we've already been here. I mean, I guess, okay, I don't know. I I felt (laughs) like
2: this was taking that information and not only expanding the implications of it, but also adding depth. To, to what that yeah. means and, and I found that that whole monologue Brand does which is of course intercut with Jon's butt and <laughs> <laughs> with, with him and Daenerys falling for each other and, and, and uh, uh, having sex <laughs> and Tyrion just being like
1: I wanted to get in on that
2: <laughs> but see I, I found that whole sequence so good in the sense that it, so many different things were happening where yeah. on the one hand, it's we're getting a lot of information. Oh, John, like all this is confirmed, but also it turns out Rhaegar was actually cool. So there are some cool Targaryens. Will Daenerys be a cool Targaryen or a bad Targaryen? Ned is Ned was as great as, was was fully as great as everybody says. Um, and also, what does this mean? Are is John going to contest Daenerys' claim? Yeah, because now they're they're a thing. So how does that affect it? But also that makes this creepy because she's his aunt, mm-hmm. and so no, that's inappropriate. Yeah. But also it's kind of beautiful. And then when he says he's not a bas- brand says he's not a bastard at all. There's this beautiful shot just of John's face that is really moving. That it's like this character, his whole story. You realize like, oh, that's not who he is. He's this completely other thing, which is almost a little like. It would be really inspiring if he had risen from nothing. But still, um, I think that, that that whole monologue is so layered, even if the information isn't necessarily new. It points out other implications of that information, and it deepens in it. It makes it much more rich. It's not just, ah, oh, I figured it out. But it's like, oh, this is why that has weight. And that you mix these be- these shots of John and Daenerys looking at each other so lovingly with Tyrion looking and seeing, like, this is a bad thing. This is not okay that you guys are falling for each other. And it's. I I found all of that really impactful. Um, I think you could also look at it as just being kind of confusing in terms of what are you going for. But I found it as them saying, like, this is a complicated situation, and here's all of the different corners of that and the the different shades of that.
0: I'm going to... I want to lob up a, a defense against both of, of your complaints and then poke another hole that will maybe lead to an even bigger hole. Um, <laughs> so first of all, to your point, I think about the, uh, like what he's seen versus hasn't, haven't, hasn't mm-hmm. seen. I think the idea, and I, I felt like it establishes this fairly well, but I might be pulling on just kind of like the overall conception of the show and, and like season eight and everything. And just like having that all in my head already. Um, I feel like the idea is just he hasn't seen everything yet, <laughs> like he's okay, still okay. he's still searching. Um, gotcha. Because uh, the Tower of Joy sequence was specifically planted there by the Three Eyed Raven by Max von Cito. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. I feel like that's supposed to be Max von Cito being like, "This is very important. Make sure you know this memory exactly." Mm. Um, and then so Bran has that one locked in. And he already knows about that, but he's still learn Like he's still. He's uploading still. I see, he's, yeah, I see what you're saying. I say, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, w- I would make that argument, um, and then I think, Britton, you make a good point about uh, all the the consequences of that. But I would also add on to of repeating that sort of information. I would also add on to that. Uh, I, especially as someone who's like read the books by now, and I think if you were like online at all while season seven was coming out, um, it's not too hard to track what's going on there. I feel like it would be very easy if you were just like a relatively casual viewer to not still not entirely understand the ramifications of everything. And so sure. I think it's, it's not a bad thing to, to really drive that home twice and be like, we're making sure, you know, this is important. This is a big deal. Yeah. Just getting that out there. Um, no, not If you have thoughts, Alex, go ahead and then I'll get to my next thing.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm speaking way too ahead of myself. I think it's because I know where that particular plot element goes with next season. Hmm. um, And I'm, ultimately disappointed by how a lot of that stuff is handled. Hmm. So I find it distracting how they're trying to seed that here. If that makes sense. Interesting. I'm not going to, I'm uh, not going to get yeah. into the details the, about that. Of course, but. much,
0: much to discuss. And I'll be curious to see what, like what you're, you're getting at with that. We'll, we'll,
1: we'll talk about it. We'll get, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I could rewatch it and be like, okay, all of this works. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. who knows? I,
2: I think it's also to help emphasize because Rhaegar is a character who's not been on screen before. And yeah. Lyanna Hasn't really been, and so no. it's very easy, I think, to watch this show and just to not, like you said, for casual viewers, they may not have thought about all the stuff that happened before the show started, like Robert's rebellion and Rhaegar and Lyanna and all this. There's like, well, Robert was the king and then he wasn't, and so they might. It's very so they're kind of like, hey, let's really emphasize Rhaegar Targaryen, Daenerys's brother. This is who he was, and this is what happened. Right. And Rather,
0: yeah. I love the fact that in that monologue they bring back around the fact that Robert, like brand says, Robert's rebellion was built on a lie. I like, I really like how much they tie together that like short term history of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. but, and I don't say any of that about casual viewers to be condescending. I'm just saying, I remember watching the show for the first time. I remember watching like the first two seasons or whatever. Um, Back before, like, I got into the books. And I remember being just so confused about oh, every, yeah, name, for sure. every character name. And, like, I, yeah. I totally would not be surprised if someone who had just been like, oh, I'm supposed to watch Game of Thrones because everyone says it's good. I'm going to watch yeah. this before the new season comes on. And then they're still trying to, like, connect all these pieces. There, um, there's
2: so much to keep track of within the, the present storyline. I totally understand someone not remembering yes. the, the lore within the lore.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But... Something I do want to throw out there. Um, first of all, they recast the Night King. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on that, Brit. Alex, I'm pretty no. sure you um, did. Yeah. And it bothers me because there is this big theory about like connections between Bran and the Night King, and the new actor looks like Bran. <laughs> yeah, oh, <I> <laughs> which is that. not like which is not a, a thing that's. T- I mean, spoilers, I guess. Like that's. Yeah, I yeah, put it's, this it's in your head, story. and I'm immediately taking it out of your head. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't don't focus on that. Um, but first of all, small thing, <laughs> this is actually not a problem at all, really. Um, it just bothered me that that happened and I was looking into why that happened and I discovered, and, and Alex, you'll have to back me up here if you, if this rings a bell for you. Apparently sure. the previous Night King actor was cast on the FX show, The Bastard Executioner, which was like a Game of Thrones ripoff. <laughs> and I, I believe when we were watching *Halt and Catch Fire back when we roomed together, we made fun of, of, of commercials for that. Uh, because <laughs> somewhere along the way, I have seen commercials for that and thought that yeah. looks really dumb. And so I, I'm
1: pretty, I'm pretty sure we made fun of that. And yes. It's like, oh, this, they're just cashing in on Game of Thrones. My, that's my, funny that that specific actor. That okay. My yeah.
0: only uh, all caps note is the bastard executioner is why the <laughs> Night King was recast. <laughs> <laughs> now that's so not that.
2: that isn't the Last Kingdom, right? Or Britannia, uh, <laughs> or. <laughs> It's certainly not Vikings. His Vikings is legit and great.
0: Sure. <laughs> into the wild. Badlands. I, I was. I, yeah. I was thinking of this note when you said Into the Badlands earlier because I feel like it's a very similar uh, one-season <laughs> thing.
1: I, Did well Into I Badlands? Bagu- I don't know. The Badlands got a couple. <laughs> I, I think thing. that got a few seasons. Did it they got because okay.
2: it was like a futuristic martial arts thing. Um, Good for them.
1: Yeah. So my point. But, yeah, I, I, that,
2: though, I remember that happening though. People being like, "Oh, does the new
0: Night King is that yeah. brand who can time travel? Yeah it was just a coincidence because the guy and he is i think a stunt actor as opposed to the previous Mm. guy just being an actor actor yeah um so they they recast him a little bit so he could you know i guess do the physical physical work a little better um but Uh, yeah walking and throwing a
1: spear there is
0: ultimately i don't know that it was necessary to cast a a stunt actor there's a few things i'm gonna be keeping an eye out for that because i wasn't really thinking about it when i watched season eight i mean i i I don't really mind It's fun it is funny um you got you know you got to have the form for the spear he he sticks the arm out he does like that's this the zeus thing with like the lightning mm-hmm. bolt where he's got to like you know aim it yeah that's good
2: yeah um, give that to matt damon bet he can't do it <laughs> okay you how dare you that.
1: you how dare you question the physical prowess of matt damon okay, no but, i know i shouldn't have said that i love that matt damon <laughs> How good would that be
0: if they just cast Matt Damon as the Night King, this guy who <laughs> never has a line, and is caked makeup. Just like, makeup? Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: there is that, uh, uh, there, there's the uh, the opening scene of the show. There's that guy who looks like Matt Damon. <laughs> That's it's true. Like maybe he turned into the Night King and the pilot of the show. When
2: he throws the spear, he's like, how do you like dim apples? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Night King, it's not uh, your fault. It's not your
0: fault. It's not your fault. Um, <laughs> so, but this this does bring me to something I do want to talk about. Because, and I, I want to continue to try to, like, see if there's any seeds of this in the next season. So this is probably just more of an open topic to think about. Um, I'm really curious what we're supposed to get is the implication of the Beyond the Wall expedition in, in terms of who is manipulating all of this. Because the Hound gets a vision of the mountain that they end up going to um, in the fire. And that's why they end up going to that specific place. And, I, and then, obviously, that's what triggers the Night King getting a dragon and tearing down the wall. And so I don't... And I can't remember if this is ever really clarified. And maybe there will be a little bit more to it that I'm just not thinking of. Um, but I feel like there's not enough flushing out of whose trap that was. <laughs> Mm. Because, on the one hand, it's like, okay, maybe the Night King somehow planted that vision. Is the Night King the Lord of Light? What's happening? How did, you know, what caused them to come out there? But on the other hand, has the Night King never been able to get past the wall before? And is this some sort of plan to lure him out
1: so that he can be killed finally?
0: I don't mm. know. I don't
1: know what the implication there is. And I don't know well, who's. My one question about that, in terms of the Night King never be getting beyond the wall, the, the cave paintings in uh, Dragonstone that Jon shows Daenerys yep. shows the Night King yep. and kind of all of his uh, White Walkers. I so think I don't know. the
0: idea would be that those were made by, like, the children, and then the White Walkers were trapped behind the wall after those paintings were done. I think that's what, I the, don't know. That's what the, the timeline of that would be.
1: Just, thinking, just yeah, knowing I what mean, I know of the books. I mean, a um, lot of that stuff is just super vague about yeah. the powers of, of whatever higher being yeah. is, is at work here. I think it's just, you know... Either George or, or Benioff and Weiss is—I <laughs> I did find find that amusing last season because Melisandre is talking about like you know if I John I you know I have to bring you back if you do die the the Lord commands me I don't know why he does what he does I just follow him and I'm like that's George, <laughs> um, but, but so. yeah. They, it, I, I, and this this goes – I think overall they're trying to keep the magical stuff as vague as possible. Sure. And I think yeah. that's kind of consistent across the board. And that's why they really aren't getting into the Three-Eyed Raven or the Lord of yeah. Light or how yeah. the White Walkers really work um, or, or the, the, the children. Um, I, I think it's being specifically vague because I, I, the show is, is so built on this is a world where magic is almost dead. Yeah. We don't mm-hmm. really want to explain that stuff. Yeah, but on the other hand, maybe you should explain some of that sure. stuff.
0: <laughs> and it has me really curious about how deep the books are going to go into those "quote unquote." Yeah. I, assuming yeah. the books do come out, I'm not. We've had this conversation a million times. I'm, I'm very curious if that's in George's plan to like delve into the like, right? W- w- who is the Lord of Light? Is it actually some sort of mystical being, or is it just someone manipulating people? I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious what the idea they, is there. It,
2: in the show, do they ever say the Lord of Light's name or assumed name? Because in the books, they say it all the time. R-roller, roller. 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 Yeah. Whenever.
1: They do. Whenever okay. whenever I write a scene in the books where, where, where somebody mentions the Lord of Light, I always set a fire in my room where I'm writing, and I look over to it, and I go, heh, and then I keep writing. <laughs> That's why it's taken me ten years to get through the winds of winter. That's why it's taken me fifty thousand years to write the next book.
2: <laughs> and then I look into the camera and say, "Literally every
1: page, I need to set a new fire."
2: Then I look into the camera and go, "I lose more ranch homes that way." <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, does George so, R.
0: Martin have a ranch? Home? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, just. Are, are, are you getting your Georges mixed up? I just. Are you thinking of George Lucas it on or George TV. Bush?
2: On the show I saw, somebody talking about a ranch house and a Northwest Breeze, and I was like, Carl, are, I'm playing, the Rohirrim, but... are you implying
0: George you've never seen the Lord the... of Light? We, we, we promised not well, to get political okay. on Actually, the show. He, Look, Tyler, he, you've he never he seen might,
1: all no. the Georges in the same room together. <laughs> he might have been
2: the, the Lord of a Thousand Points of Light. He might have been. <laughs> um, on a, a Talking of deep lore, my man Sam loved his arc this season.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah loved all of it uh i did I, one of my notes in the first episode is i do i don't like looking at the chamber pots jeremy <laughs> <laughs> that is so perfectly edited yes so oh, i disagree in that they kept making me look at it
1: <laughs> no but that's yeah i i think oh, that I is super effective so much i don't want to look at it but it's super effective oh my god
2: But my second note right after that is, but I do like Jim Broadbent, because Jim Broadbent is in the show now. Oh, yeah. From The Young Visitor. Yeah. I love him. He's such a great actor. He's really good in this. And I like, because he's, Jim Broadbent can be so cold, and he can be so sweet, and here, he's right in the middle. Um, But I really liked Sam's Ark this season. I liked um, the information that we get from that, and I like that now he is back in the fold, um, I loved the stuff with him and Jorah. I have written Jorah and Sam three times with an with one extra heart each time I wrote it. <laughs>
3: um,
2: maybe my favorite sequence. I, I I cured up a few times throughout this season, but one of them is after Sam has cured Jorah of the grayscale. He offers to shake Jorah's hand, which is such a moving scene that he's offering like, "No, I'll touch you. Like I yeah. I yeah. will give you this this intimacy and that." All the conversations about Jorah's dad and all of that were all really lovely, and I just, I just love Sam, I,
1: and I like Gilly. They can talk about steps. The the scene where Jorah comes <laughs> back and and reunites with Daenerys, I was like, given how we've kind yeah. of poked fun at kind of Jorah and and Dario's relationships with Daenerys in previous seasons, like that was surprisingly effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very lovely. Um, but I also really like. I love when sam
2: stands up to um all the maesters he's like no i've i've seen them like i i've seen them they're real they're i promise you they're so real and uh, and they were just like we'll investigate so i was looking at the maester whatever's recipes and (laughs) he just like (laughs) go right back to it uh i love
0: him you also mentioned uh Gilly's thousand, hundred thousand steps or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, that is brilliant, where they just drop the fact that um, Rhaegar and uh, Lyanna got their, or sorry, Rhaegar and Elia had an annulled marriage. Yeah. Um, and Gilly mispronounces it, so it doesn't mean anything to Sam at first. Like, that's Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's hilarious, and I love it.
2: Yeah, that's so um, good. And then he's like, and I don't get, I don't care about his hundred and fifty thousand Craps, steps.
1: <laughs> like, Sam, get him, Sam, Hilly. steps. <laughs> She's so That's wonderful. Uh, do, do we want to talk about the uron of it all? Yeah, sure. Um, um my I, I'm
2: not a fan. Sure. <laughs> well, there's a moment in episode three when he's riding through the town and everyone's cheering for him and. He's dragging Yara and Ilaria and Tyene, and everyone's like, ah, oh, cheering, yeah. One guy gives him a thumbs up, <laughs> which is very out of sync. But I noticed it. everyone's like, oh yes, medieval, and one guy's like, hey, yeah, you go, buddy. <laughs> I thought that was funny. No, he's like, he's 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 a, a, a little too exaggerated for me in this in this season.
1: Yeah, not, not and, his and actions, the way I but kind the performance. Of described it in our group chat was that it, it feels like. You know, obviously, this Euron is is kind of an amalgam of a few characters from the books, apparently, and he's kind of he's different from from the Euron character of of the the books. Um, and it feels like they're trying to go for the next the next Joffrey, the next Ramsay. Here's our next like super big bad that we, the audience can just hate with a blinding passion. That way, whenever he gets killed off or whatever happens to him, you know, we can kind of focus our our emotional investment on that and like like joffrey and and ramsey are over the top sure but they're not they're not just like laughing at the, you know just like cackling maniacally whenever they show up on screen and i, I don't know it, it feels obviously we only got like a couple of season or scenes with him the previous season but it feels like he's almost a different character um and yeah. it's well, not just because of the haircut.
2: <laughs> <laughs> when well, Joffrey and, and uh Ramsey also felt they still felt organic and authentic to yeah. the world. And Neuron right. just seems like it's a very big performance, I think is really what it is. Yeah. I think I think P-, P Lou is just going for it.
1: Well, I think one thing that also helps Joffrey and Ramsey is that we understand why they're right. like emotionally stunted. Yep. Yeah. Um and, and we really get the backstory for why they are the way they are Euron's just like i've been around the world i'm an awesome dude let me kill some people and it's like oh that's not interesting in the slightest well, would, and, yeah, and, and to your point
0: it. about go ahead uh, as i say to your point about joffrey and, and ramsay also we spend um just under well a little over three seasons with joffrey and four seasons three or four seasons with ramsay right um so it's oh maybe yeah four four i think and so uh, you know we it, it's just a thing of like the show does not have time to devote yeah. to, to making crafting this guy to like at this point our big bad is cersei um right and, and
1: i think that's that's my my problem don't make him or don't try and frame him as the next big bad sure. And I think going, going to Britain's point, that could all just be in the performance. Maybe it's yeah. not meant to be that way in the writing, but that's yeah. what it's coming off as. Sure. Um, it comes off as either the writers trying to be like, we need the next big bad that everyone's going to hate. So let's focus our attentions on that. Or it's the actor, and this seems to be kind of my understanding on, on, on what both of you have told me. It sounds like the actor is almost going... I need to ham this up. I, th- I need to be over the top and crazy.
0: I think there's definitely an element of that. And I think the amount of scenes he gets really speaks to that. The fact that there's just, like, not a lot of time dedicated to him. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't... I don't know. I. Well, it feels yeah, like... I, yeah.
2: Well, I've only seen him in... Off the top of my head, I've only seen him in one other movie. No, not Ghost in the Shell. Um, sure. But it was in a movie called A War, which is a Danish movie that is fine and his is he has a he's very under the, he's it, in uh, a overlord oh he is in that i take it back then okay i don't remember him super clearly in that but overlord's a kind of an over-the-top movie that's really good yes um he's a an over-the-top nazi yeah um so, there you go a, a, a war is fine but his is a much un, more understated performance in that and so i don't know i don't know Peleo last i'm not gonna talk any nonsense about him, <laughs> but but I do feel like maybe the show isn't trying to make him the new big bad, but he more went, you know, I'm not on screen as much. I'm essentially a plot device. Let me try to make him a noticeable character. Let me try to have some fun with this. He's a pirate. Like I just want to enjoy this. T- I get to be on Game of Thrones. This is a great. Sure. Uh, you know, this is a great break for my career. I'm just gonna have some fun with it and and try to make this character pop more because. The other direction, I think, would also have been a shame if we had this important, seemingly important guy who just made no impact. Yeah. And it's like, he does make an impact. <laughs> you remember him. Yeah, you know, um, and he's not... It's, I also wanna, it's not like a terrible performance or anything. It's not like... It's just like, oh, that's bigger than... It's big in a way that we're not used to on
0: the show. And I will say, right. um, I actually kind of like him in the last episode. I think in that scene where they've got oh, the, sure. the circle of people... Uh, and yeah. he, the, the, or, sorry, Tyrion just starts to try to be like, "All right, I have gathered you here." And he just like, "Hey, Theon, hey Theon, you jerk, <laughs> you dork." Re-
2: That's all really good, and I really like how Tyrion and Theon start criticizing his joke. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> "Theon, do you hear what I say about jokes? It, his wasn't even good." And he explained it: you should never explain a joke; makes it not work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. I do. And I like the, the, I think Lincoln.
0: that is actually actually like a sweet moment where Tyrion like loops Theon back in and he's like, Don't yeah. don't stoop to, he's fine and like gives Theon right. a chance to kind of like get a word in edgewise. Um, yeah. And also Absolutely. I like the fact that he sees the white and leaves and then we find out that's a ruse. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Yeah. It's important. Important that it's a ruse. And I think mm. people kinda forget that it's a ruse. <laughs> um anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that um no i thought that was all really i, I liked the, the
2: the i have another note later that says john and cersei you big dummies <laughs> which is when john's like refusing to cooperate but i get at the honor and then cersei's just being cersei but then when it's she later reveals to jamie like no it was, no of course not we're not gonna help them what are you talking about like that's stupid um I thought all of that was was neat. And uh, Jamie is great. I like that character. And Nikolai Koster-Waldau is grossly underrated. He's really, Mm -hmm. really good on this TV show. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Peter Dinklage is the only actor to have won an Emmy for the program. Obviously, he's amazing. And if he didn't have an Emmy, it would be a crime. But uh, we should share some of that love. And I think some of that should go NCW's way. I'm, I'm just such a... Like, the fact that he... He in, held his own with Diana Rigg in Diana Rigg's <laughs> death monologue, and that Nicola Koster-Waldau's, like, holding his own is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: I think—I um, feel like there are many performances on this show that would be, yes. like, a standout performance on any other show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I was trying to think to myself, so
2: like— who, if I had to choose one actor besides Peter Dinklage to, to get an Emmy for it, who should it be? And I was like, I have no idea. I maybe yep. Charles Dance. I don't know. Like, okay. just just start, just throw it into the like, like the bouquet at a wedding, and somebody yep. deserving will grab will will grab it. Um, duh, 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 duh. Uh, talking of Euron, um, I, I liked Theon's stuff in this. Like, I liked when Theon doesn't save Yara because it's. Mm-hmm. I like that he. I don't know. It reminds you that, like, growth is not a straight line, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that he does have to relapse. Um, But then I really like the conversation with John that he has in the finale. I thought Alfie Allen talking of Emmy deserving performances is so good in that. Um, I did have the thought it would be really funny if it was like a, a thing on The Bachelor. He was like, hey, John, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, yeah, what's up? So, what do you think of Danny, huh? Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's... Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Listen, I don't think she's here for all the right reasons. (laughs) Um, But I... I, When he stands up to his own men, the Ironborn, Mm -hmm. about going to get Yara, it is so funny and so honestly kind of cool when the guy tries to kick him in the crotch and it doesn't work, and I wrote, this is the class specialty that eunuchs have. (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's 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 like, interesting. Like at I, the I beginning of,
2: thought... it's like in, in Skyrim, when you're choosing if you're gonna be a Nord or a, a the the cat one or whatever, a Khajiit or whatever, they're like, well, these can see in the dark and these can breathe underwater and eunuchs can't get hit from low, the lower body blows. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs>
0: they're they're that's... immune to gnomes. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I that's thought that's that was, interesting because
1: that so I actually found that bordering on too silly um, because getting kicked down there would not hurt as much as it normally would but it would still hurt yeah. like he would more, still
2: feel pain I think it was more the surprise that it kind of like when Jamie caught the the sword with his golden hand where I mean he said that wouldn't have hurt at all but I think it was more that like the guy went wait a minute and Dan was like ah. Wait a minute! That didn't hurt I, as much I as I thought it would.
1: Maybe it's it's just that the guy kicks him multiple times <laughs> sure. to be like, "Why isn't this working?" Yeah, um, <laughs> I think it. could I think once would have been somewhere. fine. Um,
0: but uh, I think the the fight overall is very effective because he's yeah. already gotten up like four times, right? And they just keeping him. But Britain also, you just put into put into my head the idea if he just had Jamie like a, a replica of Jamie's golden hand just in his pants. <laughs>
2: he's like what wait a minute
0: (laughs) i don't
2: know why Oh, that would have been good anyway um
3: a lot of of good
2: reunions oh gendry is back well i was gonna say that that ties in there's a lot of great reunions and a lot of wonderful conversations um one of which is gendry and john meeting each other and i loved that and they yeah. have their own little version of when Ned and Robert meet at Winterfell. We're like, you're leaner. You're shorter. <laughs> like, that's kind yeah. of reminiscent of that, which I thought I thought that was, really, really, was really sweet. And I like that we have a hammer-wielding character. That's awesome.
1: I, I do like how, you know this this world that we have is so cynical and it's been such a long time since we've had kind of like fresh wet behind the ears characters and i know Gindry's still kind of been through quite a bit but it's just really nice when we get to that scene and he's just like nope i've been waiting m-. I've been waiting this whole time for somebody to find me. Let's
0: go. (laughs) Yeah, I I made a note of that as well, that it's like, oh, we don't have to have Davos like try to convince him be like, well, things are bad. Here's, you know, Mm -hmm. dragons, I don't know. And he's just like, okay, sounds good.
3: He's like, witches,
0: leeches, I got a hammer, let's go. And I think that scene with him, two thoughts about this. Uh, The scene with Davos and Gendry trying to fight or figure out what to do with the the two guards. Um, First of all, I, I think it's a fun scene. Um, and we get to see Gendry uh, smash some guys with a hammer, which is which is all you mm-hmm. know, just just delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, a hammer which the Hound later gets, which is also good. Um, it's mm-hmm. a good hammer, um, it's and akin, also akin that's to what his
2: father used on the battlefield.
0: Yeah, that I was going to say. I don't know if that's really referenced in the um, in the show much, but uh, it's neat that it's it's Robert, uh, yeah. reminiscent of Robert. Um, but also uh, that one of the guards is the guy who plays fake Ned in the play um oh and i think that's just supposed to be like a recast but i really like the idea of him being like this acting stuff for the birds i'm going to go to king's landing <laughs> and see what i can do and, like he's, he's trying to like work his way up to the king's guard or the um gold cloaks in king's landing um, and then he gets his face smashed in with a hammer <laughs> after eating fermented crab
2: oh that was yeah that was good i really like that we got that bit of Hey, Davos was a smuggler, and this is a little bit about what that life is like, and then Carrie Russell shows up and you're like, Oh, this is really great. I love that this is happening. <laughs>
0: this Z- is Zavi Tozny. That, that, T- T- that was a character
2: Jelly Jelly Bean? I don't remember the character's name. <laughs> yeah, Davos is just the man I loved when he kept trying to be friends with Masande. And he was like, so, Narth! What's Narth like? She's like, I don't remember. I was was enslaved as a child. (laughs) Oh, palm trees. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) I just thought Uh, that was so sweet. And, like, I liked when Tyrion and Jon reunited, and they're just, like, kind of, like, hiding their smiles at each other. Like, I thought all that was really sweet.
0: Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, there's a lot of good, like, uh, Tyrion and Bronn.
2: Yeah. uh, When they have, like, a
0: conversation, and they're just at each other's throats the entire conversation, just like verbally. And then at the end, yeah. Tyrion's like, I missed you, Bronn. And Bronn's like, I missed you too. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, It's very sweet. And I also, I had, because I mentioned this last time, and I wasn't even thinking of this, that uh, using Bronn in the Dorn stuff and for training Jamie allowed him to set up a relationship with Jamie, which now they can use to have Bronn be the way Tyrion gets an audience with Jamie. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately with Cersei and so I really like that they've kind of created that relationship and then they use that relationship for a purpose where it's like okay he's he's befriended these two characters now he can actually like help them yeah. out together um and then like he gets to see pod again pod pod's yeah. always fun um, I love that This is delightful
2: um it's really nice to see characters again too bad Mira's just gone <laughs> <laughs> just there she goes <laughs> There she I think
0: goes. I feel like Britain Mira was also a character much like Jojen that you've been wanting to like do things the entire time and she just doesn't. Yeah.
2: And she like obviously is very important or or like she's very active in those scenes but I kept waiting for the like Mira like here here she is and That's now right. Mira's going to get her heroic. I mean she does have many heroic moments but it's like it just felt like such a perfunctory like this
0: is weird you're
2: different I'm going to go see my dad.
0: I think also it does. It's nice that it's like, oh, all of these people who were around Brand died, and then he's got oh, yeah. one left, and he doesn't even. He's just like, I, yeah. I have no emotional connection anymore. Mm-hmm. You might as well be dead to me. <laughs> um, I think that's effective for showing that like he he's broken his brain by uploading the uh, mm-hmm. tree net.
2: He's gone um, uh, full lawnmower brand. <laughs>
3: Uh, um,
2: it is a part where they say some oh Euron says something about like I've sailed the 14 seas and I wrote George just doubled earth <laughs> it's like George was looking at a map and went I can do better
1: <laughs> take
0: that
2: Atlas
1: <laughs> it's my book as,
0: as he as he turns the the compass into four entire continents yes exactly <laughs> One of uh, which Melisandre. is large Britain. Thank and you. not the podcaster. Hey-oh. Uh,
2: Melisandre has a line that she has to die in Westeros, which I was like, oh, new prophecy. We got a new prophecy, everybody. Oh, beans. Oh, uh, Tyrion kept talking about, like, you don't want to be the, the Queen of Ashes, and Daenerys doesn't seem that upset about it at first. <laughs> that might have been me. What?
0: Um, no, I th- I think that it's played well enough that she's like, no, you're you're right, oh, Tyrion. Yeah.
1: This is why I keep you around. Speaking uh, of that, there there was one element that that I um, wanted to bring up that I didn't have written down, um, and that's kind of just I feel like we've lost sight of of kind of the the on the ground kind of level that we get with a lot of the King's Landing stuff and who um, we are as a nation. The one time we really get it is when Euron is is bringing Yara and what's left of the Sand Snakes in as prisoners, mm-hmm. and everybody's like cheering and celebrating, and it's like, oh, we've defeated the 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 foreign invaders or or whatever. Um, and Jamie throws out a a very quick line that I I feel like is very important, but it we don't explore it at all. Where he's sure. just like, you know, they they you know, we're, we're throwing crap at, at my sister just like a month ago or whatever. And it's like basically talking about how quick the, the, the people on the ground turn. Yep. Um, cause he specifically, he's talking to Euron
0: and Euron's like, they cheered for me. And
1: Jamie's like, yeah. big deal.
0: Big whoop doesn't, you know. Uh.
1: And I, I think that's a super interesting line, but I, I, in the logic of the show, I found it so weird that they're cheering Cersei when she blew up the sept. And I know she she also has that line where she's like, "It was an accident." I'm like, I don't <laughs> feel like people would buy that. Sure. Um, well, but you could also
0: make the argument, and I was thinking about this because you had brought this up. Um, and th- this is me. This is me. No pricing this. We. I, yeah. There. There could. There should be more exploration of this. Um, but uh, the the um what you might call him the faith militant did go out and like destroy all the brothels and attack people in their homes and, you know, completely, like, take over the city. We don't know that the people liked the Faith Militant.
1: Well, then I would argue that's a, that's a, a flaw of the last season or two because it made it seem like a lot of the people in King's Landing were really siding with with the Faith There is the, the one Militant. scene...
0: There is the scene with uh, Jamie Horse.
1: Um, yeah. Where they're... Uh, <laughs>
0: Britain, thank you for the rock symbol um sure. where they're uh yeah they're or is it early at some point they're they're telling maybe they're telling tommen he's an abomination maybe that's
1: an earlier scene there is stuff there you're right but i i just i just find it really really weird and i feel like once again a couple of scenes where where cersei's just like maybe she's given a speech or something where she's like the Martells are behind this because yeah. they blame us for what happened to Oberyn, even though it was a trial by combat. What mm. are we supposed to do? Yeah. And they, they plan this whole thing, and it's it's destroyed so much of my life and everyone's lives, and, and really using kind of the propaganda machine to turn, basically getting all the people of King's Landing under her belt. Sure. You know, I, I feel like that, that should be an element at play that's just not. It's just kind of... And yeah, whatever we feel like writing for for the Kings Landing people, whatever side you know we feel like they need to be on in the moment, that's what they're on. And then we'll have Jamie have a a throwaway line about how how easy easy these these things are to change. And I, I once again I, I feel like we're cutting corners in a way that that the previous seasons haven't. Um, and I don't know; it, it probably is just we don't have time to focus on this. We have uh, we have bigger fish to fry, but. The previous seasons took a lot of time with that stuff so it's it's just kind of frustrating that that's not particularly as we're getting to the end um i feel like that stuff should be you know maybe not necessarily more at the four but just as at the four as it was previously sure i don't know um i do
0: think that's a good a good point to bring up a broader thing because we're only going to get I think more into these conversations in terms of the pacing. Um, Cause we had brought up a, a few episodes back that the basically D and D have been on the um, 70 hour train for a while now. Um, there's a, a chapter in the book that uh, the fire cannot kill a dragon um, that talks about this and appa- and basically this guy had talked to them every season And since, like, 2011, basically, they've been saying, oh, we're looking at around 70 or 80 hours. Um, And so when they do talk about the pacing in the book, and basically they're just like, well, we felt like that was just the natural, like, speed as we got closer to the conclusion. Like, things were just having to ramp up faster and faster. And we didn't feel like we were doing it on purpose. We just felt like as we're getting so close to all these things colliding, that's just going to naturally be what happens at the conclusion, which I mean, you can argue for or against, but um, the, there's specifically, I bring up this chapter. Um, it's a chapter called all shows must, must die. Um, and I would argue if anybody has like any hangups and, and is still very hurt by the finale or anything, you should read this specifically this chapter. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Find it online somewhere. I'm sure you can find a PDF. The internet has everything for free. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not. I'm not advertising piracy. I would never do that. Um, I'm just saying it's there on the internet. Don't take <laughs> advantage of it, but it's out there. Um, no, but uh, I think it is a really good book. So I will say, if, you, if you're at all inclined, please do buy it. But this particular chapter is like such a great dissection of the idea that they like were not invested in this, or were were just lazy in the way they did it, like. I think the biggest thing people miss is how much they were starting to turn to making this a huge production. Um, I think if there is, if if you want to complain about things getting cut or like kind of the, you know, writing getting sloppier uh, that's the, the issue is not that they were not putting enough time into it. The issue is that they were running the show um, in such a way that they were having to spend just, inordinate amounts of time on in a way that like no film production or television production has ever really done before. Like they, they went, they may have gone too far in a few places. Like the, the, (laughs) all the, all the actors uh, are kind of on file in this book talking about just how ridiculous like season eight was in terms of getting everything planned. I mean, I think the, the season took nine months to film um whereas your average movie would be like three to four (laughs) and like previous seasons had been like six um it took nine months to film the the six episodes we're going to be talking about in the next couple of episodes um and so i don't know i think that that's a thing to consider is that if there i i would agree that there's stuff that they're starting to like get sloppier on um but i think part of it just has to do with the fact that like they're ramping up the size of the show so much. Um, you look at that spoilers of War episode. Um, I think you can tell in just a lot of the production value of this season. I think the Red Keep has never looked better. There's there's some shots of mm. that that just look like gorgeous. There's a great shot of Highgarden where Elena's is looking out from a, a tower onto the um, marching Lannister army. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good stuff like that. I think I don't know that the show has looked better than this up to any point. Um, I feel like this is some of the most crisp it's been. Um, So I don't know. I, I I just wanted to, that ended up being a longer spiel than I planned it on launching on. But uh, I think it's worth noting that that's probably where we're getting some of these problems from is just that they're like, Oh, we have to bring this to a conclusion and it's not that we don't want to explore those details, or we're just like too lazy to put them on the page or whatever. It's we we're, we have so many different things to manage as we're filming this that yeah. like we're putting so much time and effort into making these big set pieces and things like that. So I don't know. Uh, the that's a long sprawling thought on that that will probably come up again in the next season as well. Um, but overall, basically, I would argue, I agree with the the points, but it, it's not as much of a problem for me. Maybe, maybe even harkening back to Alien Three, uh, with your <laughs> argument, Alex, that uh, y- you know a lot of it doesn't bother you quite as much because of the behind-the-scenes things. Um, this was just such a Herculean effort, um, especially getting into the next season, that it's you know it's hard for them to have everything perfect and down pat and like feeling like the last few seasons, because it's really not going to feel like that when they're they're racing through and and like cr- you know all these plot lines are c- crashing like a giant train crash at the same time. <laughs> um, and it's very hard to to manage all that. So th- I sympathize with them, uh, even if there is stuff I wish got into the, into the show and, and got slipped up on. Um... So
2: just to, to divert from that... Um... <laughs> Is it a spoiler to tell me whether Cersei's actually pregnant? Because I wonder if Cersei's actually
0: pregnant. Maybe, yes. I'm going okay. to actually say yes. Not in like a big way, but in a way that sure, will affect. Sure,
1: sure. I'll, I'll, Britain. I'll put it to you this way. I had to ask myself, wait, do I even remember? Gotcha. Well, because <laughs> I, I think it, it's both.
2: And I, this, let me show my hand here. I feel like TV shows go to the pregnancy well a little too liberally. And I feel like... Iggly. And I feel like it's something that... And I understand. I understand it's the hardest job you'll ever love. But it's something (laughs) that I feel like a lot of TV shows... Sometimes it feels like we don't know what else to do for this season. Get someone pregnant. Like, mind that for the... No, I I think there is... And I don't accuse the show of doing this. But I could totally see Cersei being like... I need, like, I'm losing all of my allies. This is how I keep Jamie here. Um, I
0: would, I would put it to you at the as you should be questioning questioning it okay. at this moment. Like, no, we no one was sure at the time at the time okay. that season seven finished airing. Cool. I think there is a more charitable reading of uh, of what happens with that plot point. Um, gotcha, which is why gotcha. I would not want to tell you exactly. Sure.
1: I, my argument would be, you know, whether or not it's it's. Um, Real or fake. This is like the one character where having a pregnancy plot point makes complete and total yeah. sense because yeah, her whole thing is like the most important thing. The only important thing to her yeah. is her children. And the fact that she's lost all of them. Yeah. Like right. it doesn't feel quite as superficial as as other uh TV shows. No, so. I I absolutely agree with that.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um still not the best sex scene in the show. That was Dayworm. Dayworm. Sure. I love yeah. him. Yeah, that made me happy. Um, also, talking of reunions, Hot Pie is back.
0: Yeah,
2: I like that scene a lot. I thought it was really sweet where he was like, "I, I can't believe I ever thought you were a girl. You're a boy. You're really pretty." And she's like, "Thanks, Hot Pie." And he's not flirting. He's just like being sweet. And then yep. she says, "Like, take care of yourself." And he goes, "I will. I'm a survivor."
0: And I was like, "You are I love Hot him. Pie. Thank you."
1: He's so and good. Ed Sheeran showed up. And yeah, moving on. No,
0: I was going to say the only way that we could get a new song into the universe is by getting Ed Sheeran to write it. We had to we had to bring him in. It's not a bad song.
1: No, it's fine. <laughs> I think it's actually Yo, pretty I, nice I remember scene. people making such a big deal about him showing up and it's like the focus of, the, like, he's there at the beginning. The focus of the scene is not even on him. Like, there's another Lannister sh- soldier that, like, gives his entire backstory.
0: There's yeah. also been a bunch Weird.
1: of musical cameos
0: that I did not realize. Um, Coldplay, yeah. Coldplay's, Coldplay's drummer is in The Red Wedding. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, there, I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head. But there's quite a few, uh, which fascinated me. Like, apparently that's just a running thing the show does, is every now and then it brings somebody yeah. in.
2: I am. Well, I really like that scene because it was nice seeing Arya confronted with like, "Oh, there are nice Lannister soldiers. Like, these guys are just like a bunch of nice boys who are just trying to be good (laughs) and share their food." Um, Right. Which I liked. Um, The Tarleys. The true Dickon is in the secret garden. Nymeria. Nymeria and Arya reunite. And that was mm-hmm. the second time I teared up. I thought that was just so lovely. And mm. I like that Arya has the line about that's not you, about you can't be domesticated because she has that line with Ned in the first season where she says, that's not me about getting married. I thought that was really lovely. Also, Arya got Walder Frey's face and killed all the land, all the Frey's. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. The, opening, the opening of scene. the show. Um, <laughs> I mentioned, I forgot to mention last time, but the it, in the books, there's a almost basically confirmed theory that in the all the stuff with the northern conspiracy with Wyman Manderley um that he feeds I don't think it's supposed to be the phrase I think it's like Bolton's that doesn't make. I don't know so he he the, there's an implication that he uh cuts some people up and feeds them to uh their fathers in a pie and it's supposed to be like a a mom- a good moment like it's yeah, i guess or yeah. <laughs> like it's sure. it's supposed a to be one for enemy. the good yeah. guys um and so the I forgot that that was like harkening back to that and then obviously here or she actually like poisons everybody it's really fun this is a really fun uh send off for Bradley. Uh, David Bradley. David Bradley. I was trying to think John Bradley, and I was like, that's the wrong character. Um, Yeah, I think it's a really fun send off for him to be playing, quote unquote, Arya, and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, basically hearkening back to the Red Wedding and the fact that that's how he ends and that's his last thing. Like, I think that's all pretty good. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I I like that quite a bit.
2: Yeah, the the first time I teared up was when. Alice, Car Stark, and Ned yes. Umber—the two kids—pull out the swords and swear loyalty to John. Like I was, that just completely wrecked me. Which is also really Liana is the best.
0: I was going to say it's a really good scene that because like John uh, is having to address a new situation and he handles yeah. it well because he's like, "Oh, the Umbers mm-hmm. and the Carstarks, they did betray us. What are we going to do with them?" And it's like, "Well, these poor kids didn't do anything," and then you know finds a way to make it a pr move that works out for him yeah um definitely i think that was neat i like that scene quite a bit
2: for sure yeah i just found that very moving and anytime liana does anything i'm happy (laughs)
0: there's a there's a moment where i think liana's tearing down a glover lord lord glover Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and davos gives a little smile like he's so proud of her Uh, that's great (laughs) oh dear Are uh, there any other big things? Well, uh Jamie at one point says the last of us gamer confirmed. Um, <laughs> I don't I, I just have that in my notes. I don't know like what the context of that was at all, but you know what? I'm gonna throw it out there. Um, um
2: John says, I wish you luck in the w- wars to come, like Mate Trader. That's yeah. nice. He's mm-hmm. he's a,
0: he's a kneeler, or not kneeler, free folk. Words, the other one.
2: <laughs> free fo- yeah. Um and Arya talks about gex for a while. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what are you going to do after I could never be the lady of Winterfell I've got to practice my speed runs
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> And on that note I really the, the, I, I did want to talk about the production A couple of last things with the production value um, I really like the black Kingsguard uh, suits Like the mountain great. suit yeah. Those look dope Those look really, <laughs> I like really good. a lot yeah. um, Dragonstone there there's a nice long scene where we just have daenerys finally returning to dragonstone at the end of the first episode it's gorgeous it looks so yeah. good and you got the dragons flying over ah it's, i'd love it um mm-hmm. and then also i think the final scene of the the last episode with um the night king blowing up the wall uh it's so that good. might be the best looking scene on this show so far at least it is it is incredible it is visually like spectacular um all yeah. the the fact that they mix the blue fire flashing back and forth um like over the whites and kind of like the horror effect you get from that obviously ramin jawadi is just tearing it up at this point um there there's kind of like a, a remixed choral version of the game of thrones mm-hmm. theme mixed in with the the white walker theme as great it looks awesome um you got everybody running and screaming and everything's exploding it it's incredible um also yeah. uh I thought it was funny that Eastwatch did not have an elevator. Um, it's only stairs. <laughs> and that's, I guess that's my last thought on this season is that those poor guys.
3: <laughs>
0: and you can tell that, like, they kept making stairs because they were like, we got really tired of, like, walking up this way and then going, get... we have to make another set of stairs. <laughs> at, at some point, you would think the budget would just, like, they'd just be yeah. able to be like, hey, Knights uh, Watch Financial Advisors. We built, like, so many stairs. We spent so much money on <laughs> stairs. We have 15,000 stairs. <laughs>
2: uh, my final note on the season is Tyrion, in his conversation with Jamie says, of Tywin, do you think I wanted to be born this way? But he stutters over it, like, as he tears up. And it's the most, like, I don't know if that's meta or if that's just Tyrion or Dinklage being deep in the character. Either way, I found that. A beautiful piece of of
1: acting mm. alex what's your last note on the season uh, my last note on the season will be my grade <laughs> uh i'm gonna go with the b minus mm. um, i know mean, i've been super down on it this episode like i said at the start but um i think that it is still really good um there's a lot of um, good moments um, it's just very sloppy in places and that 6th episode really kind of hurts things for me um, maybe if that, that episode was, was a bit more consistent in quality maybe I'd, I'd feel better about it but I think thus far this is the weakest season for me easily Ooh. I'm going to give it an A uh, I had a
2: lot of fun watching it like I said, a lot of it might have just been my lizard brain that first time. Like, what? This person did this thing? These two people are seeing each other for the first time or reuniting? This is great. And it may have just all been very surface level. But regardless, I had a lot of fun watching it. I do a lot of issues with season six, but, or episode six, not season six. I love season six. But I just thought it was a really en- engaging, fun season of television. And Littlefinger died, so of course I'm getting <laughs> a high grade. Come on, I hate it like that. <laughs> and won that since the beginning
0: Um, i don't know i'm torn uh i gave season one an a minus and i gave season two a b plus and i think for me it's in between those two and i don't know which grade to give it um i think i'll probably go with b plus just to be just to try to be fair um there is a lot of stuff i really really like in this season uh i do think it's just there. There are times where we're moving, are moving too fast. You know, sliding over some things um, yeah. that would have been nice to get some more context on. Um, and I think there are especially things that would have helped flush out what comes the next season. Um, yeah. And so I feel like I'm. I'm very curious to see after watching this how I'm going to feel about the next season as a whole. Um, kind of as like a cohesive thing, um, because I don't know how much. I'm going to feel like it commits its own mistakes. If there are many that I feel it commits uh, versus how much it's, it's just like this season got kind of crunched in between two bigger seasons. um, And that kind of caused some, some structural problems. So I don't know. I'll be curious to see, but yeah, I'll go B plus. Nice.
2: Alex has, has the, the, just haze of wine around your brain parted enough that you can give us a recommendation.
1: Uh, sure. Are you sober um, up enough. <laughs> uh, I got a few recommendations actually, but I'll, I'll, Ugh, I'll, sti- settle I'll, in here. I'll, 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 I'll keep it brief. Uh, <laughs> Cecilia and I have been watching the third day and it mm. is really good. Um, it's like an acid trip suspense mystery thriller and it's uh it's very interesting and it's uh it's a good bit of fun if you're into like super depressing moody acid trip thrillers. It's just not Go sound on. Like fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think it's it, it's not finished yet. Um it's releasing weekly on <laughs> HBO um but I think I don't even know how long it's going for. Um, At this point, I've watched the first five episodes, and it's really good. So that'll be my recommendation.
2: Uh, I uh, am going to recommend a movie that is streaming on HBO Max, um, a movie that I'm very fond of and have been for many years uh, from 2000. It is Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love. This is a Chinese movie, and it is certainly one of his most revered movies I think it won, like, the Palme d'Or at Cannes, or it won Best Actor at Cannes, I know that. Um, it stars Maggie Chung and Tony Leung Chu-Wai, one of my favorite, favorite actors, in two of their best, each of them giving one of the best performances of their career, as these two people in uh, early the early 60s in China who are neighbors, and they find out that their spouses are having an affair, that his wife is having hmm. an affair with her husband, and it's about the two of them sort of comforting each other and commiserating with each other. And of course, becoming drawn to each other and thinking, okay, are we going to repeat the mistakes of our spouses or were our spouses transgressions? Does that like bring us together? Like, how do we handle this? It's a very moody film. Um, If you like Nat King Cole's Kisos Kisos Kisos, you're going to hear it a lot of times, (laughs) Um, which I do. So that was fine. Wong Kar Wai is a really interesting filmmaker. Uh, Not all of his stuff works. I've seen a bunch of his movies and I ultimately really like him. I think this is a much more accessible movie. It is a little more straightforward with its plot than his movies tend to be. It's heavy on mood, heavy on atmosphere. It looks gorgeous. The music is marvelous. The ending is so moving. And uh, man, I just love Tony Long so much um It's only like ninety maybe a hundred minutes long. Like it's not a long movie. It's a little deliberately paced, but uh, I'm a big fan, so I was really excited to see it that it's streaming on h b o so more people can can check it out in the mood
0: for love Time. There you go um, I'm actually gonna recommend a video game today go uh, the please. last of us partner no. <laughs> I'm going to uh. Recommend a game called Return of the Oprah Din. Um, mm. <clears throat> this is a game by the creator is named Lucas Pope. And I think he's, I don't know if he works with anyone else, but like the, he's, he's the guy, like it's an indie game, basically. Um, he made one of my other favorite games that might be a backdoor recommendation, which is called Papers, Please. Um, it's an hmm. older game. O- older, I mean, like still this decade or sure. not this decade what a time to be alive uh, but the 2010s yes um <clears throat> that game is about you're a you're a patrol not border guard but a um a border like agent oh, i guess on a yes. on like a, a fictional soviet border um and so you're like having people uh, come back and forth and they're giving you sometimes forge things and you're like, do I want to break up this mm. family or do I want to go ahead and let them through anyway because that's going to take out of my paycheck and I have to keep my family alive. It's a horrifying, dark yeah. humor, wonderful game um, and somehow it's it's incredibly fun. Uh, so I would definitely recommend going and tracking that down if somehow that interests you. Um, but this game is about, you are a London inspector in like the 1800s and a ship floats into London Uh, and you're tasked with figuring out what happened to it because all the crew is missing. Um, And basically you get on there and you find a corpse, uh, like a skeleton, and you have this device that allows you to figure out what happened and see like the last memory of a corpse, any given corpse. Um, And then you have to basically piece together who every single body that you find on the ship was and what their names were and how they died and who killed them and what happened to them. And there's like all the supernatural stuff. Um, and it's bonkers. It's it's not like a super long game, depending on I guess th- it could probably take a while, um, depending on how you um, play it, I guess. But like for me, I think I knocked it out in like eight hours. Um oh, wow. so it's not like this this massive expansive thing. Um, but there is a, a lot of meat to it, and I it's one of those where when I play a lot of puzzle games, um, like I don't know, uh, The Witness. I don't know if sure. either of you heard of that but uh, yeah, that yeah. or um Outer Wilds is another one that uh, I really want to get into but I just have a hard time getting into. Um a problem I find myself running into a lot is that I don't I can't figure out what the parameters are in terms of like what I'm expected to do and what my guesses should be and like how much am mm-hmm. I going beyond what the game expects me to do? Like am I overthinking this or am I this game is like the perfect level of getting you to be like, that hunch is probably right. And if it's not right, okay. you can kind of work it out because basically the entire time you're working out of this book um, that has the like every single <clears throat> memory you found and who died in that memory and how... Um, and so like it's a really well-put-together, crisp uh, UI. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. It's, it's got a good spooky atmosphere, so I think it's perfect for uh, this time of year if you're looking for a quick game. Maybe you're waiting on Cyberpunk or whatever. Uh, yeah, really. Th- th- other big games coming out soon. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, uh, that's my recommendation. It was, uh, it was very fun.
2: What system is that on?
0: I think it's on pretty much everything. I played it on Great. PS4. So um, okay, nice. Papers nice. Please, I think, is only on PC, and I could not yeah. see how that game would possibly work on anything other than PC because, like, without sure, a mouse. Sure. Um, but no, this one works, is on PS4 and it worked perfectly. Um, there was no like cool. clunkiness to it.
2: That's the return of Obra Dinn?
0: Yes. Return okay, of the, cool. Obra, the ship is called the Oberdin. Okay. So.
2: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. The Oberdin. Okay. Yeah. Another great horror game is Until Dawn. You're mm. basically directing your own horror movie starring Rami Malek, Brett Dalton from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hayden Panettiere. It's a super great game that, uh, I was scared of for a long, scared by for a long time. <laughs> um, really good stuff.
0: So Alex is getting all fidgety. <laughs> I need more wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make the joke, but I didn't know what that would be mean. But then you said it, so you know.
3: <laughs> well, Tyler, <laughs> you can find us online find at
0: herecomesequels dot You can find us on Twitter at hctsequels. You can email us at sequels at gmail dot um, We're on did I say Twitter at hctsequels? I probably did. um website is here comes sequels.blogspot.com i think i'm just repeating them at this point you can find us on itunes and spotify and uh soundcloud as well if you just give us a search um yeah uh we should probably address next week we are going to be talking about the first three episodes of season eight so we kind of uh compacted seven into this one um which I think ultimately was the right move. Obviously we went, this was a nice chunky podcast, but uh, I don't know that there would have been a good break point. Um, So we're going to be starting fresh, really doing a deep dive on the first three episodes and then the last three episodes of Game of Thrones season eight over our next two episodes. And then we might, we might find time for some, uh, some Halloween fun in there as well. So we'll see.
2: Just maybe. Well, guys, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what season eight holds. I know there's a lot of, uh, let's just say rhetoric out there. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to see what I think. You know, it's a and I get charitable see... reading, <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> and I'll get to see all my favorite friends like D- D-
1: T- Tyrion and the Hound. I've yeah. been written. I've been Tyler. I've been Alex. And go get some wine and have a fun night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Drinking is cool, says Alex. Of here come the sequels.